Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 65, The Fate of the Furious Lap 5. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode's brought to you by the Naval Submarine School. When the first class of 24 officers began studies for submarine duty a century ago in the summer of 1916, the submarine base in Groton, Connecticut was little more than a handful of buildings scattered across the area now known as Lower Base. Thank you to the Naval Submarine School. So what did they send us as part of the sponsorship package? What do we get from the Naval Submarine School? Nuclear reactor. Oh, really? Two of them just want to share? Well, I mean, it's it's big. I don't think we really need to share it, but... So we can both, like, live inside it at the same time and be okay with it. Exactly. You know, 3.6, not... Not great, not terrible. Is that out of seven? Uh, no, that's... Did you watch Chernobyl? Yes. Oh! I didn't know where you are going yeah. with that. Yes, but 3.6 out of seven also feels uh, pretty good, not terrible. Well, here we are. So, okay. So, <laughs> this is the weirdest episode I think we've ever recorded, because as we will discuss in our extracurricular activities, I went to CES in Las Vegas for the past week. So, we recorded the back half of this, like, nine, ten days ago or something? A long time ago, it feels like. And so, we have... Basically, infinite emails to read. I edited that. Thank God I did because, you know, this is, we're pretty close to uh, street date, pretty close to publishing date. And I don't remember, honestly, what we talked about. I know it was a fun episode. Enjoy. Whenever we get to it, enjoy because I don't know. But Joe, I I was going to say, I don't remember either. uh, I remember uh, Kara, I remember Kara's thoughts on the movie and I remember playing a game and stuff. But uh, other than that, I don't remember anything, really. It's. You don't remember. Truly ephemeral. I don't remember. Okay. So, since we last recorded, I guess, Spy Racers, like a week and a half ago, Joe, what have you been up to? Um, nothing. No, just, like, literally, I don't think I've been doing anything. Well, like I said, I was in Las Vegas for the last seven days, and it is fun, it is exhausting. Go out there with my company to do uh, floor tours at CES, bring around companies to give, show them the best of the best of the floor. And so we make sure that... I don't give the tours, but I make sure the tours go out smoothly. Yeah. So we got to walk around the floor, some cool stuff. The cool, the big news, Have you? did you hear any headlines from CES or no? No, I was just waiting for you to tell me. I haven't checked anything out. The, the thing that is was most interesting, I think, to the general world is Samsung has this subgroup called Neon, which they're working okay. on an AI companion, basically. Awesome. It's a, that's a South Park joke. Sorry. Imagine like the movie Her, but with a picture. Just a picture. Like well, like like a, a, like a, a video, like a video screen. Okay, so it, it, like they generated a person too. There's like a face. To Correct. It. Yeah. So this okay. is a subset of Samsung. Samsung started tweeting about like the week leading up to the show, and it's not meant to replace like Alexa or Google or anything like that, but it's meant to be kind of an AI companion. It's supposed to form memories. It's going to be like a friend, a companion, whatever. That's creepy. Okay. It's run by this company, Star Labs, which is straight out of the Avengers, straight out of Tony Stark. Right now, the videos, is they've only had four months to work on it so far, the videos that were on display were actually just mo-capped people, but they were all generated, computer-generated, like actions and movements and facial gestures and everything like that. But eventually... Because apparently they have been granted like a 10-year runway, like 10 years to make this happen. It's going to be like all AI generated and just basically giving people friends or companions or in businesses like receptionists and everything. Like whatever you need, this is in theory, and whether Samsung does it or whether another company does it or whatever, this is in a way the future. And so it was kind of the cooler, one of the cooler things. That is cool. One of the more unique things at least. 
from anywhere, any company at the show. Samsung, a lot of cool stuff. Otherwise, they also, I showed, I, I uh, took a little picture and I sent it to you. They had a 292-inch TV called The Wall, and they were showing some Hobbs and Shaw trailers. I feel like trailers. they've had this before. Like, they've had something called The Wall Yeah, The before, Wall's been like, around. It's not new. That's what I thought. It's like a modular, okay. what it is, it's a modular TV setup. And so it's like 12-inch by 12-inch panels that you combine. And depending on the size okay. of it, it goes from like 4K to 6K to 8K. It's just stunning. And so they were showing, you know, a lot of different content. Like there's screens everywhere and screens are kind of boring in general, but just the size of this is just breathtaking. And 292 yeah, massive. with uh, Hobbs and Shaw, just them driving around the island of Samoa was awesome to say. Just like a kind of coincidence, you know, anywhere you look, there's family. Vegas is always fun, but like Vegas is just exhausting because I'm working 14 hour days and, you know. Yeah, you don't get to do, like, you're not like going to hang out at CES and like see stuff, so. People are jealous, like, oh God, you're in Vegas for a week. I'm like, no, like, you, you don't understand. Like, this is not fun. Yes, we eat really good dinner and we have a good time and I like the people I work with and everything like that, but like, it's exhausting. Yesterday when I flew back, I woke up at 3.30 to take a 5.50 flight home. Like, it's just, it was crazy. Like, Yuck. a crazy way to end the week, yeah. but I was, I was home at, you know, 3.30 or 4.00. And then basically took a three-hour nap on the couch and then went to bed at like 9 or 10. So, you know, kind of shot the day, but I'm home. And now we are recording more podcasts for Infinity. Truth. Oh, the Vikings won, so that's exciting. Vikings that cool. today, play again today are playing the 49ers. And so good luck to you, Wells. I'm excited for the games this weekend. I mean, like, I know this is going to come out after it, but hopefully we get some fun ones. The uh, Whatever happens, we'll have a new Super Bowl champion. No repeat. So the Patriots are out, which is exciting. That's, thank God. Oh, that's pretty much all I did. I celebrated very hard <laughs> that the Patriots were out. Actually, I bought a new shirt, too, that I'm wearing right now. And it, it came a little late, but the shirt just says, as long as New England loses. Oh. I'm wearing it right now. So that's everything, basically, all the extracurricular activities. More, if anything, happens between now and, you know, Wednesday or whenever we record our next episode, which is Tammy and the T-Rex. So go watch the gore cut if you can find it. If you have to... I don't know that it's really available to stream online. You might have to actually get the disc from Vinegar Syndrome. I don't know. Did we even see if there was, like, the regular version online? So, good news. It is two different places. It's on Fubo TV. Oh, yeah, people will use this. It's like uh, it's like Sling, kind of. Right, and I don't know a lot about Fubo, but the more e- the easier way to find it, maybe, and I, I think that's it's free with, with subscription. If you get a subscription, you get a, a free trial there, but also more easily, if you have Amazon Prime, it's not on Prime, but it's on Showtime on Amazon. So if you... Go to, if you search Prime Video, Tammy and the T-Rex, you can start a seven-day free trial of Showtime on Prime, and then oh, okay, cool. just cancel it immediately. So, yeah, that's cool. So you can watch Good it. Watch you can watch it. it for free, and you can watch it legally, which is all that really matters. Amen. True. If you want to watch this movie, which I am very excited about. We will cover that uh, next week. Joe, we have a Patreon page here on the show, patreon.com slash too fast too forever. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenden, and Justin Kleinman for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Thank you all so very much. We are closing in ever so close on lap six. If you want voting rights in what movie we watch next lap, the, the patron Ooh, pick. true. If you want yeah. to pick an entire episode that we're going to do, you can do that over there. If you just want our undying love and affection or stickers or whatever you want, patreon.com slash too fast to forever. Now, Joe, like I was saying before, gigantic mailbag email address family at cageclub.me. I don't even want, I don't even know what the number is. It's a bigger number than we've ever had. So let's just really? dive into it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Start digging. Let's go. Because this first email is from nine days ago. So like we have nine days of emails, essentially, right? So there's a lot here. So first up. Sometimes it feels like we like don't get any emails in the intermission weeks, kind of. And I'm, I'm excited for a lot of emails. Because this one was sent 
right after our last episode. Yeah, because yeah, it's been a while. So, okay, first up from Wells Lamont. We mentioned him earlier briefly from the uh, 49ers up, Wells? conversation. Yes. Subject line, what is the difference? I don't know if he got excited and didn't finish the sentence subject or if it just <laughs> okay. if that was intentional, but what is the difference? What is the difference? I just realized, Wells writes, DK got his money stolen from his so-called partner, his girl stolen from some white gaijin, his respect yes. taken from his uncle, and his DK title taken by the same man that took his girl. And on top of that, he has to leave Tokyo for good. That's a rough sequence. He's probably That's in a hotel a r- room yeah. somewhere shooting up with a bunch of Thai hookers and drunk midgets. That's actually my dream <laughs> if my life ever falls apart. Jim Ursay, like the owner of the Colts, mm-hmm. like every story I read about him, I'm like, that's a relatable guy. If I was a billionaire, I'd probably be doing the exact same things. Do you ever know any of his stories? I think like, I've heard about it. It was a couple years ago, right? His mistress like, was found OD'd and dead in his house, and then he gets pulled over with like 30 grand in cash and like a bag of pills, like a garbage bag full of pills. That's a weird level of rich and fame where like if you were more rich or more famous you wouldn't hear about those stories you're rich enough he's to like, do yeah, those he's, lifestyles right. but you're not are you that, that type of lifestyle but you're not rich enough to cover it up entirely yes you're right actually that's a good point i didn't even think about that like if you're like a little bit richer then like this shit never comes out yeah so mm-hmm. yeah makes sense the reason brian told dom i almost had you wasn't because he almost won the race but because he started the race so poorly and came so close to winning that if he would have had a normal start he would have won he got all squiggly at the beginning killing any shot at a victory which you talked about in the minute when, true. when he gets yeah, off the line so poorly. Cl- so poorly yeah true well says good luck to joey in the wild card round thank you so much it worked if the vikes win as a 49ers vikings divisional playoff that'd be cool how'd y'all like that Niners seahawks game do my Niners not always give a good show? Dumbass, stressful. I was freaking out. It was a glorious <laughs> ending, though. Yeah, the Niners Seahawks game was exciting. Um, I'm excited for this game today, and we will be definitely probably talk about it on the next episode. I'm sure. And either in great detail or no detail, depending on what happens. That was a game. <laughs> Just... When Tran raced Jesse for slips and won, Dom should have brought up the fact that Tran and his quote leopard print pants wearing cousin shot up Brian's green car earlier in the movie, therefore they should be even, and no cars need exchanging. Actually, true. very good point. timely, because we're going to be covering that minute today. That's true, and that's a good point. Yeah, they should be even. Dom seems like really confident. I can't believe Dom doesn't like beat the shit out of Johnny Train next time he sees him, right? Like, he kind of fights him, but it's over something else. It's not like... You blew up my car. You know, clearly Johnny Tran has issues going on. He's not uh, confident in a lot of different things, right? In the last minute that we talked about, minute 29, when they say, oh, so it's nobody's car. Because, you know, because Brian's like, oh, it's Dom's. He's like, I haven't taken receipt of it yet or whatever, right? Like, I haven't taken Johnny could say, yet. oh, well, that wasn't your car. It was nobody's car. Like, you told me it was nobody's car. So you still owe me a car. You know, it could be like that kind of petty thing, too. I could see him sort of spinning it like that. Mr. Nobody's car? Ooh. I want to go back to a time... Wells writes, where I didn't know Brian was a cop until they first let you know. I don't remember what it was like not knowing he was a cop. I almost feel someone told me he was a cop before I watched the movie, but I don't remember. Only about five years ago it was brought to my attention that you don't know he's undercover until a good while into the movie, which I think is like, we haven't gotten there. Oh, no, we did get there. It was like 20... No, we haven't gotten there. We don't know he's a cop yet. Oh, because he's gone to the to Harry's, but we don't know he's a cop. So it's like, yeah, it's like 35 minutes. Because we're 30 minutes in and it hasn't happened yet. 35 or 45 in? It's not halfway, but it's like close to halfway in the movie. Yeah, you're right. And and we still got like the party to get through. Like, we don't see him like 
we don't see him with cops until they arrest yeah. him. And even then, it's the another Harry minute struck. or two. It's like, what is going on here? Yeah. Obviously, I should have known this, but I never thought about it. And after watching it so many times, it became a blur. Yeah, true. Kids that will watch the first fast will probably wonder what exactly Jesse was putting into the computer when he was showing Brian the 10-second car, what it might look true. like when it was finished. He's using a floppy disk. Ha <laughs> ha. I saw this tweet the other day that was like, one of my students asked me why I 3D printed the save icon, and they were just holding up a like a floppy disk <laughs> and i was like oh god that makes me feel so old you know yeah that's not that long ago either right but it's uh no. a relic. Yeah. all right bro sips until next time peace anus you anus piecers thank you wells for writing in did you see wells's picture of all of his bobbleheads no is it on his twitter yeah he like replied it to something else and i and i was like dude how have you not sent us a picture of all your bobbleheads like he has like this like 50 to 100 i don't know you know i didn't count them but there's like a ton of them and he has like all of these like niners oakland a's Bobbleheads. It was really cool. It was something that I thought you would like. He like, has them like, all lined up It's in like pictures. And, oh, like, for sure. Here's a better pick. Yeah, all these A's bobbleheads. That's cool. Right? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, wow. Here's a bigger, here's a bigger one. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bunch of A's, and then there's a bunch of like, Niners memorabilia. Yep. That's a cool, cool little cool. shrine. Yeah, I know. That's like something that seemed like up your alley. And also, like, wow. shout out to West Hampton. There's a uh, tur- uh, Donatello, maybe? Who's the purple turtle? Tur- Donatello? Donatello. Cool. Yeah, because he's got him hanging from the bottom right, so there's a little bit of a... Uh, Wes in Wells, which you can't spell Wells without Wes, so. Oh, nice one. Next email from Nick Burris. Everybody forgets about Tanya, that white trash biatch. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year late, but whatever. Who's Tanya? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Maybe she was like part of the race or something? I don't know. Like one of the the girls in the beginning race? We'll find out. First, Wes cracks me up. Yes. First about the combos and then about what if. Yeah. Wes or is that Wells? Who are you talking about here? What if was Wells, but Wes said about the combos, right? Like the... Put him in the. He said they'd eat him till his stomach hurts. Yes. So maybe a little bit of both yep. there. Marvel is doing a show called What If. It's like what if Captain America was like never unfrozen or something. Oh, okay. So it's like alternate universe yes. type theory thing. And it's like standalone okay, episodes. Cool. What if Stark Industries never sold missiles? Yep. It says what would never... happen if moments from the films of the MCU occurred differently. Yeah, that's a cool thing. That's that's fun to think about. It's just fan service. Yep. So it's coming I out like it. next year, middle of next year, ten episodes. Cool. Nick says. Uh, for, I guess for his uh, vending machine snack, I guess it would be gummies and Mike and Ike, but I'll eat any snack. Gummies? What kind of gummies? There's so much variability. Like gummy bears? I have a bag of gummy bears on my ta- on my table right now. You like talking like gummy worms, peachy rings? I, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of options here. Uh, he says in the minute, he says no way Brian's car, the Eclipse, would have survived piston rings and still driving it. Would have been smoking like a bitch, plus the oil would have gone eventually and seized up, really, just like it overheated. Yep. I think about that all the time. They're like, yeah, you blew the piston rings, like the engine's fucked, and then he's like, okay, now I have to go rescue Dom with this car. He says, I think I'll have to watch in the lap five order just to get a different view for Tokyo Drift, which we've been saying all lap long. It's a, it's a new way to look at the movies. We love it. Yeah, true. Kara is a good listen, from bringing the Dr. Phil on with how Han deals with grief, or how Denise, no niece Denise, is an inside joke. <laughs> we love having Kara on. And, she, and it's fun that she, like, hadn't seen them before, so, like, her theories are fresh, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. And plus, she, like, just has very unique views on things like this, so it's always helpful. And he says that he, I think he agrees with Kara that they need to do a short movie on how Letty is dealing with her memory loss. Yeah, that would be nice. We want all of these weird spinoffs, though. In talking about hacking and talking about, like, where the franchise is going, he says there's two topics that are fiction, but could actually happen if someone's careless. Number one, The Terminator. Um, so, you know, Judgment Day, just AI taking over, right? Or machines taking over. Yeah, it's your Samsung thing. There you mm-hmm. go. And he says, and definitely friend. zombies. Some dumbass will be experimenting, expose everybody. Hell, we'll can't, we can't even keep Ebola out of the U.S. That is very true. Like, a fun fact from work is that we often use 
viruses mm-hmm. to put genetic material into cells, right? Because that's what viruses do. There's ways that you can make a virus with the gen- genetic material that you want and then put it into cells and, and, you know, drive it that way. I always get really nervous that, like, we're going to make one of these, like, genetic viruses that we're using for research and it's going to, like, infect people and you're going to have, like, these all these weird zombie-type things happen. So I think about this a lot, actually. Everything you see, every crazy advancement, like, if it's in the wrong hands, like, you could trust somebody implicitly, but all it takes is one bad egg to take the technology, and then, like, it just becomes, or just not under, not fully understanding, not even, like, maliciously, like, what it could be, right? Like, it just... Yeah, AI is scary, man, and we're going to have to deal with it soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're overlooking LA, I think this is at the end of 7, I want to see the Ford Galaxy running around disappointing. I, I assumed that it was Luda's ride because he was riding. Nick says, I knew the Honda Ridgeline. Like when we were playing the game? I guess so, yeah. I knew the Honda yeah. Ridgeline as soon as you said the bed compartment. They were weird. Being a real truck guy, I thought they were stupid. But I'll take the old version compared to the chopped off minivan look they got now. I was just telling Matt about this when we were driving, too, about the whole like truck bed. He used to have a, a Dodge Ram. I was like, did you ever see the inside of a Ridgeline? Because like, we were talking about it after we played the game. Um, he says, I want another short on how Dom met Han. In Too Fast, I wanted to know what Roman says in the driver's meeting when they take the licenses. Maybe I'll find out if we ever get to it in the minute. Mm, yeah. So a couple more just, you know, filling in the backstory. And I think that's something that we might, uh, you know, we might know that to some extent when we get to, like, deleted scenes and things like that. So, you know, just True, stay tuned. Yeah. Eventually we'll get to all these things. Or we won't. And we'll all, you know, <laughs> but we'll have our theories, right? So that's all that matters. Exactly. It says, keep it up, fam. Talk to you later, Nick. Thank you for writing in, Nick. Nick sends in a car picture, which I will skip for for later. Cool. And I think he sends in another car picture, too. He actually sends another email, too, later, so I'll just read that now. He says, Spy Racers, LOL. <laughs> says, so just finished Spy Racers. Sure, this email will be after you record, so it's all good. He says, they did pretty good. I like that there was a little movie moves, like driving into the plane and hacking, and Dom in it, too. I liked it. Representing all yeah. the movies in their own way. Just wanted to comment so it gets in on time. Catch you on the other side, fam. Nick. I really enjoyed Spy Racers. I think it was fun. I'm excited for another season. And I'm firmly in the, the West Hampton camp now that any any new content is good content. I'll take anything I can get. So All right. Now we have two emails now from Alex Ellenin. So here's what Alex writes. Ooh, First up, okay. subject line, you think mermaids lay eggs? Question mark. Ooh. On the topic ah. of the order of the series, I figure this. Then it cuts off. Maybe, like, this is another, because it just says, I figure this I, the lowercase I, and then nothing. So I don't know if this is going to be continuing. I don't know if this is a, a thought. I don't know if people are hacking our emails. Maybe this is Cypher. I don't know. It's Cypher's in our emails? Yeah, I mean, I think they listen to us, so. Alex says, it was July last year, and a buddy of mine from work is someone I bond over cars with. The topic came up that he hadn't seen the Fast and Furious movies except Tokyo Drift. So this dude's a fucking unicorn, right? But this is a guy who <laughs> follows the Formula Drift series, so not too wild in context. But he tells me. He's never seen the series. That makes sense. But, like, that's the only one you saw? Very, very different, right? Alex says, so I immediately ordered the complete set from Amazon, but I'm bored at work. I'm about to finish one of my normal podcasts, so I start searching and found a couple Fast and Furious podcasts. They don't really hold my attention, then I found yours. These idiots are going to watch these movies for eternity? Question mark. <laughs> so that's how I found this podcast. Awesome. That's really cool. Glad that the premise works. <laughs> but that's exactly what I would think when I was yeah. like reading this. You'd be like, they're really good. Like, are, what, are they still fucking talking about these movies? You know, like mm-hmm. you'd like put on like the first one and a recent one. You'd be like, they're still fucking talking mm-hmm. about these movies, aren't they? But my 16 disc complete set shows up and we start watching. I'd made the executive decision to watch them in chronological order, especially since he'd already seen three. And I thought suspense would build until we got to the one he'd seen. When my girlfriend and I started dating years ago, I learned she only seen a couple movies but couldn't name which ones. So I think we watched them in the same way in preparation for number seven. 
So this is a so long watch email. It in the order. He says the long email just to say chronological order is a superior watching order, which I think we have uh, yep. officially decided this lap as well, right? I think we established that. Yeah, after watching it this way, it's, it feels like a completely different experience for me, and I really liked it. I think that I would pretty much stick this way forever. When I started this email, Alex writes, I texted my friend and told him to rank the movies, and this fool told me I'd have to rewatch them. One to four is the best for me, with Tokyo Drift being my favorite. Once they stop being about cars, they become a blur. He says, so yeah, he can be pretty useless at work, too. <laughs> I do think that your friend has a point. Five through eight kind of do become a blur. There's like big, like pivotal moments that you're like, oh, this is definitely in one. But if you've heard us talk about them, I mix up the non-significant parts of five through eight all the time. And I edit those out too to make you sound ever so smarter, ever so slightly smarter. You do. Yeah, I know. I know. You mean that's in six right now, Joe? That's in seven. Oh, you sure? Then I hear the episode, and I'm like, in seven. Yeah. And then, like, I just sound so confident about it because you just told me what the real answer was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. And then Thank Alex you. basically ends the email and says, don't feel like you need to read this one on record either. Well, too late. You already buried this. It's just me wanting to affirm the proper order in which to watch a series. But here's an entry for Dude, What's My Car? And then he puts a picture in. And then he also puts this picture of Rick from Rick and Morty. Or Morty. See. Morty is the kid, right? Yeah, he just says, you son yeah, of a Morty. bitch, I'm in. I've never seen that episode ever... yet. I'm getting to it. I don't know if you'd like it or not. I'm not sure I'm not either. Sure. It's fun. It's like, it's mindless. Or it's super intelligent. Do you, do you know the meme that's like, it takes a higher level of intelligence to understand Rick and Morty? Did you ever see this? No, but that sounds, like somebody... that's, that's, that seems to track. Yeah. <laughs> that somebody was like, I'm so intelligent because I think Rick and Morty's funny. And everybody was like, it's just a fucking cartoon, dude. Next email, also from Alex Ellenin. Subject line, I don't trust clocks before 9 a.m. Interesting. So, so, Joey, you were discussing Jocelyn Donahue being in Furious 7, and that led me mm-hmm. to the IMDb cast page. I found two uncredited characters I found interesting. One's character is listed as Han's brother. I'm guessing he's what? present during the funeral scene when Brian, Tej, and Roman are discussing no more funerals. I never noticed that. I never noticed that either. That's interesting. So second, another character is listed as Anton Toretto. Now, I've seen the deleted scenes, and I don't know where he fits in, but I'm going to rewatch them soon. Mm. I don't think they're in there, because I was telling you, like, a lot of the deleted scenes seem to be, seem to be, like, Letty working on getting her memory back. Like, it doesn't seem to be really about anything other. Like, it seems her story is the main okay. thrust of the deleted scenes, so... I don't know. I don't know who Anton Toretto is. Maybe he's like uh, Tony Toretto's older brother. Anton. Maybe it's just Tony. Because Tony and Anton both from the same root word Anthony, maybe? No, but he would have to be like very young, you know? Unless, like, you know, maybe Spy Race just takes place in the past. Oh. Right? Maybe. Why make a character, Alex writes, who isn't even going to be listed in the credits, a relative of two main characters in the series? Could it be Han's brother came back to avenge his brother's death as the director of Etion? Ooh. Was he also Hobbes' former lover? Ooh. Is Anton Toretto the true heir to the Toretto's market fortune? Ooh. These are all the good questions. Maybe the director was our own Wes Hampton. Oh. Maybe Anton is the heir to the Toretto's market fortune. That would be an interesting twist. Fascinating. Next up we have a couple emails from our friend jason dickinson okay fast and furious spy racers awesome show can't wait for season two stay fast stay furious we agree stay fast and stay furious too jason here's exciting this is something we've not had in a while joe we have new rankings oh okay cool is it from jason Mm Mm-hmm. nice let's hear the rankings okay number one too fast too furious whoa i think he's just trying to mess with our rankings now number two furious seven okay number three the Fast and the Furious, the OG. Okay. Number four, The Fate of the Furious. Whoa. Okay. Number five, Fast and Furious 6. Okay. Number six, Fast Five. Okay. That is the lowest that low. has been. Yeah. 
damn. Cassie Wilson is at a number five. Uh, that's the lowest it's been. Wow, okay. Number okay. seven, Fast and Furious, number four. Okay. And number eight, Tokyo Drift. Does not like Tokyo Drift. Damn. And I was saying to you that this is not included in his email, but uh, he followed me on Letterboxd, and I'm at Soul Popped over there, and he loves the Turbocharged Prelude, but he does not like at all Los Bondoleros. So, again, just new thoughts, new opinions, new hot, ways of thinking. Hot takes on everything, mm-hmm. man. I, I like it. It's interesting. But, Jason, man, thank I you for writing believe, in. Yeah, I can't believe you don't like Tokyo Drift that much, bud. But I know Jason's a big fan of the family, like the char- the character realm of the family so that would track right if you if you really enjoy dom and letty and all of those people tokyo drift might not be your favorite because it's everybody different so right i get it okay so now we have another email from wells he says no knees greater than two knees that's a subject oh. okay would you rather have three knees or no knees joey where would the third knee go you pick i think i'm gonna defer my answer until we find out what no knees denise actually is and Because maybe it's a good thing. Although it doesn't sound like a good thing. In context, it does not sound like a good thing. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good thing at all. Aren't your elbows just arm knees? The knees of the <laughs> arms. Dicks in our hands. <laughs> Dicks for our hands. Knees on our arms. All right, <laughs> Wells writes, What if Tarantino wrote and directed Fast 10? It'd be the best oh one for sure. God. Oh my god, what if that's his like retirement movie? You know how he always says he's only going to make 10 movies, and he finishes it with Fast 10, and it's just like blood everywhere. So Justin Lin's uh, name <laughs> is just a placeholder? Like it's just an anagram for Quentin Tarantino? Or we could do this like Death Note type thing, or the Grindhouse one, when oh, he proof. does like, when he has like his friend like do like one scene for a dollar or whatever. I want to just see like Tarantino do like one race scene. <gasps> or no, we have like a really long driving scene where there's like a lot of dialogue in it. Okay. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my Fast and Furious minute wet dream. Just a minute of dialogue, just like talking about nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Royale. Do you know what you know what they call Nos in France? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. Perfect. Wells says I can't imagine kicking a movie out of my top four to fit it in on my Mount Rushmore of Fastiverse films, but I would definitely have to if Tarantino directed it. Same. I agree. You just took us down a great memory lane trip there. I'm very happy that you mentioned this. He says. Uh, Five, three, two, and one can't be two or three ever. It'd be real hard to drop one, and five is the best one. I guess I have to choose five to bump it to fifth, and that makes me feel bad. Let's just say this is real, and it's 2024, and the series is over. Here's how my list would probably look, assuming Tarantino did ten. All right, so here we go. (laughs) He sent you theoretical rankings. Four years in the future. Yep. Okay, so here we go from the bottom. Okay. Number eight, Fate of the Furious. Or no, I guess, just not, not, I don't even know numbers because there are 12 movies on this list. So number 12, <laughs> Fate of the Furious. Number okay. 11, Fast and Furious. Number four, the reboot. Okay. Number 10, Furious 7. Yeah. Number nine, Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Number eight, Hobbs and Shaw 2. Okay. <laughs> it's just a little bit better. Uh-huh. Like number we didn't seven, do the Fast and Furious 6. Okay. Number six. Fast and Furious 9. So he's, he's good things from 9. Okay, I like it. Number 5, yeah. So basically 9 is at the high end of his, like, it's not my all-time favorite, but it's the best one. Okay, yeah. Number 5, Fast 5. Number 4, the original, The Fast and the Furious. Number 3, yeah. Too Fast, Too Furious. Number 2, Tokyo Drift. And number 1, Quentin Tarantino Presents, Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> Fast and Furious, number 10. And he says about number eight, you guys were right all along, still awesome, but death the worst one. That really made me laugh. Thank you, Wells, for that email, because that was incredible. So then Thank he you. writes a lot about taming the T-Rex, which I'm going to skip, and then he says... Save it. Uh, and we'll explain why in a second. He says, I'm about to watch five to eight in the next week or so. 
I've watched nothing but one of four the last two months, so I'll have a few things to say. All right, bros, until next time, peace, emoji, anus, you anus, peace, emoji, ers. So peace, anus, you anus, peacers. And then I got a frantic email a couple days ago, or no, last night, huge mix-up, red alert from Wells. Wow. Okay. So I just listened to the latest episode, and I had no idea you were discussing Tam and the T-Rex next episode. Don't even worry about reading my email. That's what happens when I take too long to listen to an episode, haha. Plus, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. So I think what we can do, I'm going to leave this email starred, is we can do the Tammy episode, and then on our Hobbs and Shaw episode, we'll read his, like, diatribe about... Because it's, like, the it, this is the longest email that Wells, I think, has ever written us, and it's all about <laughs> dinosaurs, and there's Seinfeld in there, and there's Tammy and the T-Rex. Perfect. And so we'll save get it. to that Please in a couple episodes. We can't forget it, though. Oh, it's starting. No, I'm good. I got it. Okay. The Tarantino email took us for a fucking loop to begin with. I know, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Next email we have from superfan Jenny McMullen. Subject line, Patreon and Rock. Okay. Hi, guys. Loved your Christmas episode and actually listened to it on Christmas Day while driving between sister and parents' houses. Very cool. That's cool. She says, by the way, I'm doing this at work right now, so don't tell anybody. Ha ha. Shh. We won't, we won't. I promise. Just finished episode 63, which I think was our Furious 7 episode. I've been trying to access Patreon since Giving Tuesday in November, but the login page never finishes loading. I also tried the app, but my phone is the wrong version. I'm thinking maybe a link would work. I'd appreciate if you could send me one. So I did meet your new $1 patron, Jenny McMullen. So thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny, for being a patron. Hopefully you get to check out the Fast and Furious Minute document. Fast and Furious Minute document. You get voting rights for Next Lap. And voting rights. You already have our undying love and affection, but we also... That's true. I I don't remember if we said on this show or not, but because Jenny's been with us since Sack Attack, like she's been with us since basically the beginning. For sure. We sent her stickers. So like the $1 does not include stickers, but Jenny's already got her stickers. So, uh, you know, she's... uh, She was our original. She's original family. Original family. She was like our first, first fan, and we love her every day for it. She so. was yeah, she was the first person to email that we did not know. Yep. And I still remember sure. where I was when she emailed and it still made me so happy. Adding a photo I found of Dwayne Johnson at a premiere in a very flashy suit, which makes me wonder, since his suits, which are usually lower key than this one, are likely custom made, what happens to one like this after he wears it? Just want to hear your you ponder the subject later, Jenny. So I'm gonna send two pictures here. So the other thing to keep in mind is that like, you know, as bodies change like he is getting i don't know if you've seen his instagram but like he is getting huge like he's already been huge but he's getting even huger for black adam um for the new dc movie coming up so like he's like bigger than i've ever seen him like this suit's not gonna fit him you know what i mean so like this suit looks like fabric that your grandmother's couch had it's like kind of a flowery print with like very gold like a mustard gold color very very flowery yeah you or i wear this we look the fool he wears it looks great yeah he's looking flashy that's what i was thinking i was thinking she makes the best point that these have to be custom suits because he's like gigantic right like this isn't like off the rack shit like you have to make this for the rock because like his shoulders are super broad his like waist is very tapered if if he tried to buy a regular man's suit it would just be like monstrous like he can't go to men's warehouse or something i mean it's it's kind of the same thing in a way of like all these fashion designers make a beautiful elegant dress for an actress when she hits the red carpet and, like that dress is never yeah. worn again right because it's the same kind of thing like just on a low scale like you know Rachel or whoever just like i can't wear like we have two weddings i can't wear the same dress to both weddings you know what i mean like the same kind of thing yeah. but this one you are getting a dress to be worn 
specifically for the Oscars or for the Golden Globes or whatever. And you're, and you're always going to be in the pictures of it because yep. there's going to be a million pictures you of it. You can't wear that again. So, like, what happens? That? Like, they must recycle in some way. They must be able to take the stitches out and, like, reuse the fabric or something? I don't, I don't know. Think, no. I don't think that they do that. I bet some of this stuff gets donated to museum collections. Some of it's probably auctioned off. Some of it's probably auctioned off. Some of it's probably in museum collections. I got to imagine that some of it's just, like, in a storage locker somewhere. Like, goes back to the designer and just, like, is, like, trapped in trash, essentially. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't think that they recycle it. You know what? We should start a company that would be, like... Like, you know, like, when you buy, like, um sports cards and they have ones that are, like, this is a piece of the jersey? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have one. I have a Bubba the... Trammell game jersey. I don't know if you know Bubba Trammell. He was not very big. I don't know why he had a, a game jersey, but I have a Bubba Trammell game jersey. I think that we should, like, cut them out and sell, like, cards that would be, like, The Rock at the Fast 10 premiere. Ooh. And it would just be, like, a print of this suit, right? Because I would pay, like, 15 bucks for one of these. And you can make, like, how many inches of fucking fabric is on this suit. I mean, his huge. chest is already 50 inches wide or whatever, right? We learned from Hobbs and Shaw, so, like, that's just a lot True. right there. And you would get, like, a nice square of this, right? Like, you would be able to tell that it was the suit. And, like, they could sell, like, movie cards. Your dresses? This is a great idea. Last email, Joe, from Wes Hampton. Subject line, Furious 7 and Spy Racers. What up, fam? What is up, Wes? Wes says, it's true what they say. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Now that Brian is gone, Kara appreciates him, but it's too little too late. Maybe she'll start appreciating oh. The Rock more now, just in case. And, spoilers, she's still not a huge fan of Hobbs, but I think... When you hear the back half, it's it's better than it's been. Wes says, I don't want to say too much about it because this is, for some reason, a hot-button issue, but we really like the new Star Wars, too. I think it's kind of critic and opinion-proof because it's a Star Wars movie, and it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks, but we both thought it was fun, and we enjoyed the fan service. Yeah, you liked it. Wes liked it. That's cool. Yeah. He says, we also saw Cats. My only real regret is that we oh. didn't make it to one of Alamo's Meowdy screenings, which is the Rowdy screenings. I don't know if I've talked about this on here. No, but So me. Draft House, as you know, as we talked about, is a very strict no-talking, no-texting policy. But okay. every once in a while, for certain movies, they have a Rowdy screening. So basically, for Magic Mike oh. and Magic Mike XXL, they're like, still don't talk, don't be an asshole, but like if you want to, hoot and holler and whoop and whatever, and just like, if you cannot control yourself when looking at a Channing Tatum shirtless on screen... This is the screening for you. Like, I want you to, like, encourage That's awesome. I think they gave that, like, like fake money and whatever, and, like, just, like, they could, like, make uh... it rain or whatever. But there's, there's an idea that, like, this theater that is so staunchly be respectful is, like, still be respectful, but at the same time, make it rain. They don't want you to have, like, a conversation with your friend. I get that. But they're saying, like, yes. also, mm-hmm. like, yell at the screen and, like, have fun. That's cool. That's a really cool thing. I, I I like Alamo more and more every time you talk about it. Yeah. So Wes says, we saw it, Cats, in a small theater with a row of like 10 kids and parents behind us and an old couple to our right. I think we're the only ones in the theater who really saw it for the train wreck it was. One of our friends is a theater hmm. teacher and saw it opening night out of morbid curiosity. So the whole theater was laughing. And about halfway through, this old woman stood up and yelled at everyone that they were ruining the movie for her. Normally, I'm form- firmly on the side of this respectful movie going, but I'm sorry, lady, you're on the wrong side of this fight. The only way to enjoy that movie is to laugh at it. Otherwise, you just sit in a confused haze for an hour and 50 minutes, trapped in a nightmare, unsure if you'll ever wake up again. I give Cats three stars. Three of seven. Perfect movie. So I did not rate it. I know that past guest of the podcast, Chris Podcast, saw it and didn't know what to make of it. And he saw it again. He gave it five stars. He's like, I don't know how you could see. Like, it was still a movie that I'm thinking about more than almost anything I saw last year. Fellow That's interesting. past guest of the podcast, Austin Wolf Southern, saw it and he gave it five stars. He loved it. If art is meant to inspire and art is, made, is, is meant to make you think... This is art. Like, it's not... It's so poorly made, but, like, it's so... 
Like, they took such a swing and <laughs> and completely whiffed in just about every regard. This is what I say about, like, all of these movies. Like, I can't watch... Like, I have no respect for a movie like Sharknado. Mm-hmm. Because you're making something to be bad. Cats had every intention of being a good movie. Yeah. People really sat there and were like, we're going to do our best job at this. I haven't seen it yet, but from everything I've heard, it sucks. And I respect anything it done doesn't with passion. Suck. Like, it's, it's just, like, I don't want to keep, like, hyping it, but, like, it's so, it doesn't conform to anything that, like, you would expect a movie to be, that it's hard to, like, it's not good, but I wouldn't say it's, like, it's just, it's just its own thing. Okay. It's so weird. Also, uh, since we last recorded, I put up on cageclub.me my favorite TV shows of the year list and my favorite movies yeah. of the year list, and I put at the bottom of my movies list, below number one, I put Cats and I put Serenity because those two movies were so beautifully bonkers that I just, I loved them both so much. And I feel like Cats made people forget about Serenity, which was that Matthew McConaughey don't want to reveal a big twist in the movie from January. But like people were like, how is this? Like, this is so terrible. But now Cats is like, the it's just the new thing that people are going to make fun of. But like, they're both like, wow. Like, this is amazing. I haven't seen either yet, so I'm excited to see both. Wes says, in regards to the weirdness in Furious 7, I don't know if every scene that was filmed or altered after Paul's death, but I seem to remember Jordana Brewster saying most of their scenes together had not been shot yet when he died. Specifically, uh. the phone call between them was created using some of his old dialogue. There are yeah, supposedly a couple lines you can identify from other films. She said it was really hard for her to film a lot of those scenes, which I can understand. Like emotionally hard. I'm sure that she was fine with it actress-wise because she seems like a professional. And sort of as a continuation, Wes says, I think Kara's misunderstanding Brian's goodbye. Granted, you need to know the background of Paul Walker dying to get the full effect of the scene, which I think she did, but I don't think they're never going to see Brian again. It's just that he realizes what's important now and won't be getting back on any more jobs until they CGI him again. I imagine they mm. still hang out socially because family. He says, I really like Kara's interpretation of No Niece Denise. I don't even care what the name actually means now because I'm fully into the theory that she's a real person from their time shooting too fast, too furious. Yeah, I think so too. It's the best theory. The parking lot they're all standing in when they're discussing bringing the fight to the home turf is Dodger Stadium, which is also in the very beginning of the first movie. Oh, that's true. That's a little connection. Coming full circle, yeah, sort of. It's sa- oh, oh. And the, the next sentence of West writes, it's the same parking lot we see Brian test out his eclipse at the beginning of the first mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. I mean, we knew that from the Fast and Furious Minute. He says, I wrote my general thoughts to Spy Racers before it came out, but I think, or before the episode came out, but it still stands fine as is. He says, I liked it fine, but it feels a lot like Hobbs and Shaw in that it's set in the universe, but not really a Fast and Furious movie or show. I guess in I some ways it's more connected to the main series because of Dom's cameo and they're actually street racers we get pulled into some government nonsense, but it's also further separated by the kid, uh, by the all-over-the-place tone and zaniness. To be clear, I think that's fine, I actually liked it, but it's definitely for kids, so the worst you can really accuse it of is being unnecessary. I agree. Yeah, and we've said, we said that in our episode. I, I'm firmly with you. It's you have to remember that it's a kids show and that's fine. And it does a lot of fan service to the parent that would be watching it with their child. So I, I liked it too. He says the animation and art style reminds me a lot of the 2012 Turtle series on Nickelodeon, which he mm. thinks is the best animated version. So he's into it from that standpoint. Oh, cool. But aside from that, he liked the characters and the action a lot. Although he has to say that some of it shocked him a little. There were a lot of crashes clearly played for laughs and there would have been those big wrecks. That the main cast just walks away from no big deal 
just like the movies. But then every once in a while, there'd be a background character or a low-level racer who gets wrecked, and I was like, oh, man, they just murdered that kid, which we were talking about last episode, I think, right? Yeah, says, definitely. It's a lot like that race scene on the freeway and too fast. When the car goes under the semi-truck, it's such a fun, light-hearted race that goes real dark if you think about it too much. I agreed. says the whole Ms. Nowhere thing was a little much, but again, it's for kids, so it tracks. I find it interesting and cool that they picked a show aimed at kids to introduce their first openly gay characters. That's not main cast, but they're not extras either, and they get some very wholesome screen time, which I enjoyed. That's one of the last big demographics they've been missing or skirting in the series. You can make a case for Suki, which we have, but also after listening to a lot of terrible Fast and Furious podcasts, I can confirm that most people who claim to love these movies do not see her as gay or bi, and no one sees even the possibility that Hobbs except for us. So there you go. Homosexuality confirmed for the Fastiverse. <laughs> Statistically, a lot of these characters have to be gay, right? Like, not even just actors. I'm talking well, like... Well, what is the... It's like one in eight or something, statistically? Or, yeah, like, that's what I'm that saying. And that was old, and, like, and I think feel now, as the sexuality spectrum is becoming more diverse and people are becoming more understanding to a certain extent, not everywhere, but to a certain extent, maybe one in four. So, like, the family is eight, 12 people. There's a couple, like, just mathematically. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, statistically, like, even somebody in the family, like... Is most likely. I don't know how they've skirted it with, you know, 400 characters in every movie, so. You know, I also think that the, there's, like, a really easy, if maybe lazy way in just saying, you know, Ramsey's the girls, right? Because... That would be... Oh, that's a really good point, because then, like, Tyrese and Tej fighting over her would be moot. That's a good point, yeah. No, it is lazy, though, but, I, yeah, I can definitely see that working. I'd rather have a more established character, because it feels like the later a character has entered the series that you, like, have some kind of, like, big, like, this is a statement kind of, in a way, right? Like, it just feels... Yeah. If you had had Dom or Brian or someone from the first movie, it's like, oh, this is, like, a meaningful thing. I feel like Hobbs has been around long enough that it could mean something. But if you have someone like Rams, who's only been around a couple movies and sort of in the background, it's important, and representation matters, but it's kind of less... There's less gravity to it. I agree with you, yeah. He's like gravity. Everything just gets pulled to him. Wes says... I wondered how they would ramp the tech thread up for Fast 9, but I honestly don't know where they're going to go from a helmet that can control any technology anywhere. We have God's Eye and then the Magic Helmet, so I I don't know how you can get any more crazy than this, technology-wise. Like, we've hit, like, that That has to be peak of technology, mm-hmm. right? You Unless, like, somebody's, like, the ter- a Terminator. Oh, well, we had Hobbs and Shaw. We had Idris Elba be the Terminator. Right. So... The people's elbow. Yeah, the people's elbow. I don't know any more wackiness we can get. I mean, it's got to be AI, essentially, right? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, could, could the ETN, I think we might have even teased this or had this theory, like, could the AI, or could the uh, ETN voice be AI? Ooh. Right? Yeah, that's a good one. I yeah. That's a very frustrating movie bad guy <laughs> series like this that's grounded in, like, physicality, so that wouldn't work, but yeah, it's kind of where the series is. Yeah. I don't know. Wes says, that's it for this week. I'm sad we're seeing we're getting to the end of Kara's lap, but I'm glad she's enjoying the movies. It's always nice to bring someone new into the family. I'm very curious I to agree. see what she thinks about a movie with no Paul. Until next time, stay furious. Wes. Thank you for writing in, Wes. That was a good email, too. So as a recap from that, we have two car pictures from Nick, and we have one very long dinosaur talk from Wells that we'll get to in a couple weeks. So thank you all for emailing in. If you want to email in, family at cageclub.me. Check that out. If you don't want to write yes. in... And if you want to still say hi in a way, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Joe, we are up to 19. You notice this. 19 reviews. Yes. 19 ratings. All five stars. No new reviews. You know, Justin Kleiman's friend Coors, Fallen Star, the last review over there, which is a glowing, wonderful review. But if you want to yeah, do something for us that's kind, give us five stars on Apple. Thank you so very much. Yes, thank you. 
I appreciate it. And thank you to the new person that rated us. Yeah. Because I'm sure you're listening. On the streets, Joe, here we go. Is there any news? It's been a while. I don't think there's been anything. I think we're kind of hush right now until the trailer comes out. I think that we're not going to have too much news. I am going to search, though, for Top of the Rock. Uh, Rock the Vote, I'm sorry. The Rock President. The Rock responds to Sonic the Hedgehog movie asking if he's president yet. Ooh, that's from last month. I'll take a look at that. So Sonic tweeted, uh, what year is it is at The Rock President? And... The Rock quote that's a, that's a clip from the trailer. I don't know if you saw that or not. I heard about it. I haven't seen the trailer, but I heard about it. And the Rock okay. quote tweeted and said, So crazy, I used to love playing Sonic in college, which is crazy. I was five when I got the Genesis. You know what I mean? Just like different different times. Yeah, and he was at, he was at U-Miami playing linebacker or whatever, right? Yep. He says, Many moons later this. Life can be so damn wildly unpredictable and surreal at times. Yeah, that's cool. He doesn't really actually address president but just he i think he appreciates that like fan of sonic yeah that a thing that he grew up or not really grew up but like loved when he was younger now references him like it's a weird kind of cool thing i dude i can't wait till fast and furious references us it'll be awesome Mm -hmm. joe the only thing we have to do before we take a break and bring in kara to talk about the thing that we talked about nine days ago whatever it was the fast and furious minute minute 30 a minute i called nas that all about it's a long story well we got a 20 mile hike humor me a business deal that went sour plus i made the mistake of sleeping with his sister so in this minute as you just heard johnny tran and lance return to shoot up brian's car it explodes and then dom explains his history with johnny tran as he and brian as dom and brian walk to dom's house and that's kind of it. Like, this is a... Uh, it's just the car blowing up. I think we, you know, for the last couple of minutes, we've been trying to figure out the timing of all of this. And I feel like this is a little bit... We kind of get to the house maybe a little bit quicker than we were thinking, but also at the same time, it also feels right about right. Yeah, and the last shot of the scene is, like, we just see the house mm-hmm. right before they go in. Again, you know, we talk about this. This is a very well-encapsulated single minute, minus them starting in the middle of a conversation. Johnny Tran coming back, car exploding, whole explosion... And then just, like, a shot to a house. Yep. I kind of like the framing of it. And there is music that kicks in at the end that I will uh, identify next minute. I'm sure the people who, like, I'm sure Wes probably knows what that song is, but I'm just going to be able to figure it out more easily. I don't know if it's score or I don't know if it's soundtrack, but we'll figure it out next minute. Cool. But, Joe, what did you find? I had you do a little bit of extra research, but I guess before you get that, let's do the signs. It looks like you found something important. Yes. Which I'm looking at right now, the satellite view. You brought up, like, hey, this is the car explosion one before I had seen yep. it. And and you're like, do you think Craig Lieberman made a video on this? And I was like, no, but that sounds about right. And I searched, and Craig Lieberman definitely made a video exactly about this. And I wondered how you forced that into the universe somehow. So I have a lot of cool facts. I kind of stole them from him. So obviously, go give Craig Lieberman the credit. He was there. The coolest thing is he tells us exactly where they shot this scene. Oh, okay, okay. It is at TNK Food Mart 
in Westminster, California, mm-hmm. in Little Saigon. You can go there. It still exists, and it's actually a grocery store. And there's like a giant Buddha statue in the front of it, and you and people go there and take pictures of it and like pull their clips up at night to take pictures in front of it, which I think is fucking awesome. And we need to add that to our tour when we go to California to do the Fast and Furious. Now, tour. have you mapped out how close this is to other? filming locations um no this is in anaheim i don't know oh so it's not it's not super close not close to what was the other big landmark that we were just at actually it's even, it's even south of anaheim yeah okay yeah so what's what's the other landmark what was it like the president's hotel or something there was the stewart hotel yeah that's it that's a good landmark i'm guessing it's gonna be about like depending on traffic 50 minutes to an hour and a half yes that's a great landmark and that's where we'll start from the Stewart Hotel that we see them drive by mm-hmm. to the parking lot that they're in is a 45-minute drive. So we'd have to assume that Dom and Brian were in the car together for 45 minutes. That's that's crazy thoughts. Do you take 110 to the 405? No, I mean, it's all supposed to take place in the same neighborhood. Like, I don't think it's not, you know... They're, no, they're making it's just like believe, making you believe, and it's all like, and we're there at Stewart Hotel, like it's also way inland. Like I think a lot of this is supposed to take place probably closer to the beach. Like I think they're basically utilizing like a lot of movies do the landscape of Southern California just to say like here's a neighborhood that is everything that we need. He made a good point. The explosion takes place at the Cultural Square. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take place in the TNK Food Mart parking lot. So like they switch locations to do the like the blowing up of the which car. Which makes sense. He gave us one of our my favorite things, which. These are always fun. We always like try to identify, like we just found the backpacks and stuff like that. He says, if you're interested, they use micro Uzis, and cool. that's the gun that Johnny Tran and his friends are using. He makes note that the car that they blew up was a 96 Eclipse, not a 95. All the other cars in the movie were 95s, including his Eclipse, which was used in the movie for Brian's car, but it was a 96 that they found to gut and blow up. He, t- he goes through the whole, like, how they did it. It's a fun video. Watch that part of it. And actually, just link to it in the uh, notable moments slash trivia part of the document. So if you are a patron over there at patreon.com slash too fast too forever, I will repost. I should just repost it probably more often than I do, but I will repost uh, the minute document at the top of the Patreon page. So if you want to go check it out, oh, that's it's cool. in there. Yeah. Last thing Craig Lieberman mentions in his video, uh, NOS is not flammable. Hmm. Dom yelling NOS, it's, it, that's not going to explode. NOS is combustible and you need to heat it to give more oxygen to burn more more fuel but it's in and of itself it's not flammable him yelling nos doesn't mean anything and it wouldn't have done anything so i can see why dom would be freaking out about it because like if you're like oh shit like that's tuned it's like oh it's like there's there's combustible stuff in there even if you're not thinking it's gonna explode i can still understand why he's freaked out about it I can't explain away in the same way why the car actually explodes. I can yes. understand why he would be worried. You know what I mean? Like, just like, oh, there's crazy stuff in there that might blow up, and that's why you can be freaked yep. out. But then, like, it shouldn't actually blow up, but, you know, whatever. Movie magic. Those were all the cool, fun facts that I got from that minute that I stole all from Craig Lieberman. Go watch his video. Cool. It was a pretty cool one. It was quick, too. It was like six minutes or something. So Very cool. It's fun to check out. Yeah. And since this is such a dialogue-heavy moment, and then, you know, they just they come and shoot up, and it's all characters that we've seen, we've been following for the last handful of minutes, there's no real new clothing. The trivia question I put here, and this is one, Ooh, it's a, it's a little bit easier, it? but why does Johnny Tran hate Dom? A, mm, that's a good because one. Dom slept with Johnny's sister. B, and by the way, we are getting so close to another year of my lifespan, like just a few weeks away. I know, I'm so excited. I'm very, very, I was thinking about it yesterday when I was outside. I was like, oh man, I can't wait for another year of my lifespan. B, a business deal went sour. C, Dom beat Johnny in race wars. Or D, both A and B are correct. And of course, 
both A and B are correct in this in this situation. Dom slept with Johnny's and sister. And C is possibly correct. Right, but we we just don't know that. But yeah, this is this is a tough uh, tough question. Oh, you should put a you should put a bonus answer that's both A, B, and C are correct. Okay. Joe, any other thoughts about minute thirty? Nas or no? I'm sure that's probably one of the most memorable minutes of the movie, right? For most people. You know, we were doing for a while or for a couple episodes at least what was the best minute so far. I still don't think this is the best minute. I think this is a very well contained because it's sort of like if we had like just ever so slightly more dialogue from earlier, right? Like about yeah. who was that? It would be very nicely contained. Like if we sort of shifted up a second or two, that could be cool. But this is another good contained minute where Johnny and Lance are like, no uh, cargo boom. Like I said, I don't think it's the best minute, but I definitely think it's one of the most memorable ones for most people. So Joe, let's take a break. Let us bring in Kara to talk about the fate of the Furious. We'll be right back. Episode number 65, brought to you by the Naval Submarine School. Naval Submarine School course offerings include introduction, apprentice, and basic skill level training. They encompass initial technical proficiency training and advanced team operator and team training in electronic and combat systems employment, navigation, and damage control. Naval Submarine School. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Naval Submarine School. Do you know where it is? Thank you at the top of the show. I'm going to guess Maryland? Groton, Connecticut, up the street from me. Well, I'm I mean, not... totally going to guess Connecticut. All of our sponsors are from Connecticut because Joe just gets served local ads <laughs> and he reaches out to these companies. They're like, yeah, sure, local boy done good. Absolutely. Here's a quarter million dollars for this episode. Sure, why exactly. not? <laughs> That's definitely how that works. That voice that you're hearing is from our driving school correspondent, New word. I didn't have a. I didn't have a noun in place when I started that sentence, but I landed on correspondent. <laughs> that works. I'm pretty happy with it. Love yeah. to you know correspond. The last half of this lapse episodes, we have Cara Gayla Regan. Hello, Cara. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us once again for the Fate of the Furious. Oh, thank you for having me. So now we've got a couple more either or questions. How long was this movie? That's not an either or question. But... So long. <laughs> I have no idea. I actually had to watch it on two different days. The first half, I ate a really big chicken parm sandwich, and then I had to take a nap. And then, so I watched the rest of it the next day. But yeah, no, it could be nine hours long. You're so part of this family with an answer like that. I just really thank it. I was hungry. Yeah, you were. You ain't hungry no more, though. I can tell you that much. I have a chicken parm sandwich. Uh, this is the first movie. The reason I ask is this is the first movie in the series where there's sort of like significant differences. Like there was a slight difference in five. There's a little bit or maybe in six. I think there's a slight difference in six. There's like a minute different in seven. Like in the beginning of seven, Statham's destruction carnage at the hospital is, is much greater. Yeah. But this adds like 12 or 13 minutes. Oh, you mean the extended cut? Yeah. There's yeah. like, but there's, it's the first one where there's like significant portion added. Now, I, you know, I don't know that we, I think Joe, that we're going to, when we get to Hobbs and Shaw, I need to see what version my, my Blu-ray is and what the digital copy is. Cause I think, I think there's going to be deleted scenes that maybe we've never seen before. Yeah. We're going to see new stuff in this one. I'm sure. So before we get too far into it, before we do the either or questions, I want to ask right off the bat, 
does recency bias continue? Is this your favorite Fast and Furious movie, or is Seven still your favorite for now? Uh, so much has changed because Whoa. when I did that previous rating, I didn't realize that in the series Brian's not actually dead. I had a complete misunderstanding about what had happened. Now that Seven is garbage because wow. it's oh. so unclear. So oh. that dropped down to the bottom of the list, and this one's towards wow. the bottom too. So Seven's your least favorite? I don't know. We got time. You got time. You got right. Time. Nothing yeah. but. And as I said, it's a it's a breathing list. But yeah, I think at the bottom it's like seven, eight, and two in a mad dash towards the bottom. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. The interesting thing about the rankings and like we sort of hinted that last episode with you and we're going to I think talk about more in detail now that we can sort of talk about what Kate brought up last lap is that yes. seven seven basically started for us very near the top because I think there's a lot of great action there's the, you know the, the beautiful farewell to Paul and then when Kate explained her theories which we will get into we're like oh this is suddenly like not as good of a movie as we thought it was like it's still a fun movie that we really enjoy especially because it's a Fast and Furious movie but it like sort of began to slowly descend mm. through our rankings yes yeah so. I mean it descended as I thought about it more and I, I like I thought more about like how lost I was the entire time I was watching it <laughs> like who are these people what are they doing why is this happening had that whole feeling like throughout the movie yes and I think that this watch for me as much as seven keeps trending down today I don't know if it was like the mood I was in I really think it might be the order we watched them in but as I was watching eight this time I was like you know what this isn't that bad I mean, I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd. So, I mean, you know, it's not that bad. It's, you know, nearly a perfect movie in my eyes, but that's that's not true. But uh, yeah. I did, I like you, I enjoyed it, I think, more this time than any other, any other time before. Yeah, I, I, and I wonder if it's going to start climbing back up the rankings as I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think basically the way that I'm looking at it, Joe, is like, it's the best possible least favorite Fast and Furious. <laughs> and like the beginning is just so perfect. Like that whole Cuba... Like story, oh, I really line. enjoyed that part. Yeah, the Cuban Mile, the Cuban Mile, like that whole thing. Like every time I watch this movie, like I'm like, damn, I really like this scene. Like you know, I have some problems with it later and like all the wacky stuff, but like I like it. I'm I'm a big fan. Generally speaking, Kara, Hobbs and Shaw is kind of difficult for people to rank because number one, it's so new, but number two, it's really so different from all the other movies. Yeah, it doesn't really fit. But generally speaking, the three that people like the least are two, four, and eight. So you're pretty close there. You have seven in there instead of four, maybe, but two, four, and eight are the ones where people are just like, mm, not necessarily sure. I mean, fans of the series pretty much like them all. I would say on average, eight is probably the least popular, mm-hmm. but two, four, and eight are the ones that people have the most issues with consensus-wise, you're right in there. Yeah. Like, I think as different as people's opinions of these movies are, especially fans of these movies, it feels like we all have kind of decided, like, oh, yes, these are the ones that we like the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like I think this is a bad movie or that I didn't like it or Seven. I did enjoy it a lot. Like I said in the last episode, I had so much fun, I cried. <laughs> that did not happen in this one. But You didn't cry at all in this one? Oh, no, of course I cried. I just didn't <laughs> okay. cry of joy. from fun. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, they're all great. I'm not taking this seriously enough to be like, this is not good. No, I mean, there's people that really hate this one. The thing that I always say when we talk about 8 is that I had this perception that 4 wasn't that great. But as the other ones came out, Mm -hmm. 4 becomes the basis of that. And I'm really hoping, and now the more that I watch 8, I think that there's a lot of things that they can build off in 8, and that will start essentially like another trilogy like mm-hmm. eight, nine, and ten are linked, and this is how. And I think that we just got the first piece of it, 
And because, like, we know, you know, there's not, like, books or anything that we can be like, oh, it's going to get better, we just have to, like, wait it out now. Yeah, George R. R. Martin's got to get off his ass and write the seventh book. I mean, come on. Exactly. The biggest issue, I think, that Joe and I had, and we haven't had an episode about Fate, I don't think, since this was announced, was we weren't thrilled with how Charlize just literally jumps out of a plane to never be seen again. Yeah. We, we assume she's going to be back, but then I think since the last lap, or just about, mm-hmm. they've confirmed that she's coming back for nine. So, like, I think a lot of the things... If she has, like, an v- evil villain arc, it right. will be solved. It will make So it- now it sort of pivots this movie. I think this is sort of what Joe was hinting at. It sort of pivots this movie from being, like, a lesser installment to somehow, like, in the MCU, kind of like a building block of a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is sort of the groundwork well, they all for are. the endgame. Yeah. Yes. But I think that for a while, like, they were more standalone, and then mm. once 4 kicked off the new wave, they sort of became progressively more, you need to see all of these to get the bigger picture. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, the, the general landscape of how movies get made and how we tell long story arcs has totally changed over the course sure. of this True. franchise. You know what yep. I mean? Like, that, that trending towards these, like, long multi-movie story arcs is, like, part of, you know, this, like, larger thing that's happening that's definitely not the vision that they had for it in 2001 when they released the first one who could have possibly imagined we just talked about this over on cruise club on our mission impossible 3 episode and i kept bringing up the fast and furious because it's always on my mind mission impossible 3 is kind of like fast and furious number four it's not a gritty reboot but it's kind of like this is now the visual style for the franchise okay and then from that point on characters more characters just come back like in the first few it's just basically tom cruise and Luther, who's played by Bing Rames. And then from then on, you know, Simon Pegg comes back and Michelle Monaghan comes back and like villains are linked and everything like that. And so exactly what you're saying, Kara, I think that around, you know, 2006-ish when that movie came out, 2008 when Iron Man comes out. Yeah. Fast and Furious number four came out 2009, right? So like it's in that three or four year window where they're like, oh, a franchise can be more than just a series of installments. It can, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And it was previously unthinkable that, like, this far into a franchise, or, like, even past a second or third movie, that the movies would still be, like, good and watchable. Let alone, like, in these movies, getting Getting better, better. at least to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Before we go any further, got two either-or questions for you. Are you ready for these? Yes. Grim won to kick things off. Both at the end here. Would you rather die if you had to pick? Oh, my favorite kind of question. Fiery explosion. Like at the end of seemingly every movie, uh-huh. Dom at the end of this one, you know, airplane explode, like just things, everything is always exploding in these movies. Die in a fiery explosion or drown in icy water? Oh, absolutely a fiery explosion. Well, it depends. Okay. So... I like that you start that with absolutely, and then by the end, like four <laughs> words later, you're like, I'm not so sure. Maybe not absolutely. Well, no, it That's depends on the circumstances. How close am I to the explosion? Am I at ground in zero? It. Or yeah. am I like further out? I might get burned first. No, I get not some like, like radiation you're, like, first. You're the man on fire. You're walking out of the. It's very close. Let's say that the time, the duration of pain is the same for both. Okay, that's true. Because yeah. like in in cold water, like you'll pass out at a certain right. point. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, I would probably yeah fiery explosion. Okay, it's more badass. I don't like being cold. Same. Yeah. That's like one of my and biggest wet. Like with being it. cold and wet is my least favorite thing to be. So. Joey, I like that you said same, but you picked icy water and I picked fiery explosion. <laughs> Did we? I don't remember honestly. You know, in Jeff my head, I, I would you. rather do icy water than fiery explosion. Like it feels like we're both backwards, but you know, I what's, it's locked in. 
all of these questions, like one day you ask me, you know this, we've done this before. Like one day you ask me, I'm very confidently one way or the other. And like, I hate being cold. I hate being wet. And now that it's like winter time here, I'm like, fuck that. I would absolutely mm-hmm. much rather have oh, a yeah. fire explosion. Yeah. Ask me again in the summertime. <laughs> and I'd be like, icy water, icy yeah. water immediately. All right, Carol, last question. We got two more, I think, next episode for Hobbs and Shaw. We got two more there. Last question. No premise, no setup. Revenge of the Nerds or The Dark Knight? I mean, <laughs> I feel like we've already seen The Dark Knight, basically, in this franchise. Well, for context, at the very end of this movie, when Roman and Tej are both hitting on Ramsey, and Roman says, you'd rather have Revenge of the Nerds than The Dark Knight, like he's calling himself The Dark Knight. He's oh, calling yeah. Tej. But Revenge we just say it like, like, with no context. But you can answer the question however you want. Like, which movie you like better? People yeah. have answered it many like different more. ways, yeah. I don't like either movie. You can say neither. Uh, no, I'd go with Revenge of the Nerds. Okay. Nice. The Dark Knight is five of seven, but... That's a perfect movie, Kara. Seeing that in the movie theater was the last time I ate popcorn, and then I realized that I cannot eat popcorn. My memory of that movie is, is somewhat uh, You just can't eat popcorn? ...by my digestive system. Yeah, I like, can't digest it, so I wind Ugh. up vomiting a lot. Cool. Uh-huh. Very, it's very fun cool. to be me. Let's talk now about The Fate of the Furious. Let's start with, uh, once again, everyone's favorite game show, That's So Brian. That's So Brian. Now, I've got thoughts here, but before I Mm -hmm. go, Kara, do you have a pick for number one? Because Brian's not in this movie. Right. Is there a character you think is the most Brian? Well, it's obviously New Brian, whatever his name is. Little Nobody? Yeah, Little Nobody. Okay. (laughs) I was calling him New Brian in my head. Do you have a moment that is... That's That's so Brian. I did write one down. Is it one of his moments? Because I think I know which yeah. one it is, if it's his. It's definitely his. It's going to be when he and Mr. Nobody are interrogating Hobbs. Hobbs and Mr. Nobody are kind of having like a little back and forth. Like They're not in agreement because you know he's arresting Hobbs. Then Little Nobody brings up Hobbs' daughter. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Hobbs oh, yeah. picks him up by the crotch and the <laughs> neck and slams him against the wall. Yeah, because he doesn't know his audience. You don't mess with his daughter. Yeah, that's definitely one of them. And then the one that I wrote down was New Brian gets caught under the scaffolding that falls during that, like, RC car Mm -hmm. hijacking sequence. Because, like, over the radio, they tell everyone to, like, hold back because this thing is falling, and he doesn't. Okay. So just, like, recklessness, bold recklessness that is also stupid. Yes. I thought in this movie, the character that is the most Brian is Dom. So just like I had last movie, you think Dom here? I think Dom here because he's like, you know what? Fuck my family. This is the best choice for me. Just screw all their feelings. I'm going to do this to save my son. That's also the most opportunistic. Like, that's that's the best choice for himself. And his family. I mean, like, his son is his family. Yeah, I know. That's why that, that part's like a little Dom. He's still caring about his family. But, like, where I'm just going to steal the EMP and drive off and not tell anyone that, like, I'm being accosted by this supervillain, that's the most Brian moment mm-hmm. of it. He's just like, fuck you guys. I need to do this for myself. We see in the beginning of this when Cypher is like, oh, no, my engine's broken. Please help. Please help. Yeah, and I'm then a she damsel shows, in distress. Yeah. She shows Dom the phone, and she's like, you're going to want to see this. And then she hands him the phone and just drives away. But there's no sound. Is it just Elena with a baby? And if so, like, it's not like, or is there a sign like, hey, Dom, it's your baby. Like, you are, is it Maury? It's like, you are the father. What is she showing him, like, wordlessly that is, like, so gripping? Like, I, I get on an emotional level that Elena having Dom's son is 
devastating to Dom because it throws his whole world topsy-turvy. I don't know what she's showing him on the phone screen that is like, mm. that transfixes him where he's unable to it's speak It's not like a move, picture you know of Letty. I mean? Yeah. Right. When he thought she was dead or something. Like that, it's like, like he that knows Elaine is alive. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you pegged this, Joey, in the last episode and Joe in this one. This is a continuation of his like total loss of like his bearings i think that we saw in the last movie and that he's like so vulnerable to manipulation well he never was a really good judge of character remember he was the Mm, only one stuck up for brian i think this is even like the third one in a row right because it's letty in the last one and or get letty in six it's getting shaw in this and last one Mm -hmm. and now it's elena here like he just is so easily manipulated yeah it definitely started with letty before i get to my Brian moment because I think that's a second conversation I want to have a little bit later. Let's talk now about Dom and about Dom as heel, Dom as villain. When the movie came out, I think, and like our first discussion about it, we felt like this kind of really betrayed, mm-hmm. in a way, betrayed the Dom character and like he would never do this. It is family, but it's also like a different kind of reaction. Yeah. What did you think, Kara, of this? Like, did you see this kind of move coming? Did you like it? Did you appreciate it narratively? Like, how did you feel about Dom being essentially the bad guy? Like, Cypher's the bad guy, but like, how did you feel about Dom? being the bad guy in this movie. I didn't love it. Definitely feels like a betrayal. Although I knew like in the end, like he'll come back around. It's growing on me. Well, I feel like there's nowhere like this was a natural progression because like what we were just talking about with him, like losing, losing it you know, over time. And he's becoming like more and more reckless and feeling more and more unmoored susceptible to outside influence the way that joe and i sort of rationalize this or like are able to kind of defend it is that it's like okay we got this out of our system we're not going to have this happen again because mm-hmm. we got letty turned on the family right we got dom turned on the family like everybody takes a turn unless there's like some like tyrese is an evil mastermind that's been working Which, with them fine. the whole time i love it love Good to luck. see it <laughs> as long as we kill him off at the end of it no, he has to come back I love him. We haven't killed anybody in a long time. Do you love Roman in this movie? Because I feel like this is now, it's a phrase we use a lot, but he's becoming more of a caricature than a character in this. Like, I feel like he's turned up the clown even more like this. He still yeah. work for you? Because Joe loves oh, him here. Totally. And you did. Yeah. You yeah. I mean, all, like, every single time that I laughed out loud, it was his fault. I think so, too. I really like it. They're just letting him just be, like, the zaniest version of him. He's he's automancing into into Joker. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's very twisted. Talking about the Dark Knight, you're going to make Kara vomit over here. Stop mentioning Joker. <laughs> so here is my new theory about this movie. This is my That's O'Brien moment. It's not necessarily a new theory because I think it's sort of an evolution of what we've been talking about. Okay. But I think specifically watching for Brian for Brian moments, I'm of the mind that there is not a Brian in this movie. What? No one really has a a Brian moment because I feel like, and this goes back to Kate's theory, that when Brian, when Paul died and Brian left the franchise, the franchise lost its way. Kara, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you, if you would like to, go back to episode I think 44, which is our lap four, our Furious Seven episode with Kate Hudson, Brian's friend Kate Hudson, and she talks about how a lot of the plot lines that she sees in 7 and 8, she feels changed that were supposed to be for Brian. Mm-hmm. She thinks, and this is her idea, and we both love this I idea, love it. Uh, yeah. that Elena being pregnant in 8 was planned, but it was originally going to be Mia, and so that Mia mm-hmm. was going to get captured because she's pregnant. She announces that she's pregnant in 7, yeah. and so it was going to be her, and so this whole like Dom against the family it was kind of like, Brian. well, how do we solve this? They might have an end game for seven, eight, nine, ten. You have to literally rewrite everything because your star dies. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a foundation of that, a basis on that, building from that, where everything changes a little bit, like the plot, 
Like, the things that happen might be the same, but the characters involved are different. Between that and the fact that Brian, as a character, was always kind of the entry point. Like, even though you're not crazy about Brian, he's sort of the audience surrogate. Like, we're still watching through his eyes. Without him, the franchise kind of doesn't have an entry point. And it feels like, and this is my into That's So Brian, like, building off Kate's theory, because there's no more grounded character Everything in this movie is turned up to 11. Mm -hmm. Roman is more of a joker than ever before. Hobbs and Shaw are now, literally everything is just bravado. Like, they're joking about it. Like, you know, there's a line where they, you know, I'm going to punch your teeth so far down your throat that, like, you're going to just stick a toothbrush up your ass to brush them or whatever. And they laugh about it in the movie because it's ridiculous. But every line like that, like, there's no grounding in reality. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone is just whatever they are to the max. Yeah. And Dom is now to the max in terms of just, like, family to 11, right? And I feel like because Brian is no longer there to tether anyone to reality, there's not really a Brian character because no one is realistic anymore. I feel like everyone across the board is now maybe automanced to the the highest level, which is disappointing, but also I think kind of proves Kate's theory maybe even more correct. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think also if it had been Letty in this one that was kidnapped, it would make more sense. Like it would make a lot more sense to me that Dom would go rogue to save her. Mia was pregnant. We get Mia kidnapped in this one, and the whole family, nobody goes against the family. It's like the whole family has to go rescue Mia. Right. But I can see that happening, or I can also see that Brian goes away. Like, Brian, because Brian has Brian a history, like a proven history of yeah. turning against people who are supposed to trust him, right? Right, because like, he has no against the cops. morals. <laughs> but the thing yeah, is, exactly. the family would know if Mia was gone. Elena's like a silent character. Like, she doesn't... That's true. She's not really involved. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Brian going rogue. Same. But I could also see Dom doing it. Like, I would have an easier time Dom doing it for that than doing it for some woman that he used to date who now has a child that may or may not be his. You know what I mean? That's the big question. What I almost blabbed last episode, then I saved myself, when I was like, oh, Elena being pregnant, whatever. Like, it almost makes more sense narratively, because this is where the timeline gets fuzzy. Because, like, we're thinking about when did Elena and Dom... when conceivably could they have slept together like how long when does this movie take place it's like the beginning of six like it almost makes more sense to me that like Hobbs and Elena when they were co-workers slept together one Mm. night you know what I mean but like Mm. it's clearly Dom's baby like it just it like it timeline wise makes more sense to be like literally anyone else's but narratively it has to be Dom's but it doesn't really make sense like I, I just don't understand it as much as we're like it needs to be Dom it really doesn't like it could have been Brian it could have been Hobbs like Hobbs could be they could have to stop Hobbs from joining Cypher. Oh, I'm sure that'll happen in a future movie I don't <laughs> like know. I said like every like everyone at some point like because this is uh I'm trying to think of how to phrase this without sounding condescending but like this is very much like a soap opera oh it's 100% yeah. a soap opera yeah and like which I, I don't say as like a insult at all I just mean that like on a soap opera like they go on for a long time and eventually you start reaching for stories and things get weird and sometimes people have evil twins or they die and they come back yep. to life mm-hmm. or they you know they go evil for some some reason like every by the end of this franchise like everyone will have gone through some sort of like weird transition and, and may or may so. not come back I can only from hope it. so yeah in nine we got to get like some wacky tej and roman type things right yes. i don't think they're important enough like i think that's the problem i think that they've that's exhausted all of their big plays right even that's if hobbs goes rogue i don't know that narratively it has as much weight because hobbs is sort of family but also not really like he's just 
Like, he would have to come against we them. We already killed someone off and revived them. We had somebody go rogue. We have not had an evil twin, so... Just I've said this. I've pitched that before. I want <laughs> evil Dom versus regular Dom. The Zelda, Mirror Link, every move is the exact same, and he's fighting himself, literally. Because this movie, it's not Dom... It's really not Dom against the family. It's Dom going evil, and then the family trying to stop him. Like, we pitch it. Like, the summation is Dom against the family, but that's not it. It's not like he's, like... It's not like he's harming the family he's, he's just doing what he has to do you know what i mean like, yeah because he's not he's not it's, he also like hasn't gone evil right he just he's gone rogue but he hasn't gone yes. evil because he's not like yes i'm doing this to harm people he's like no i'm doing this to save my baby my family you know and like unfortunately these other people that i care about are kind of cro- caught in the crossfire and, crossfire. and he's oh, yeah. oh god and he's like yeah that's that's perfect sorry i know that's what i was thinking <laughs> Crossfire threw me way off. I'm like, I'm deeply in a commercial. You'll right get now. caught up in the crossfire. But Carol, what did you like about this movie? Like, did you? I mean, I know that you enjoy. Because I, I, maybe it's to the point where you're like us, where it's just like, hey, this is maybe not my favorite Fast and Furious movie, but it's still a Fast and Furious movie, and I still enjoy the characters. And mm-hmm. I'm still gonna have a fun time watching it. Like, what did you like about this movie? Are there parts or moments or scenes that you really found yourself enjoying this time? Uh, well, I did really like the part where they were in Cuba. It's a nice, soft entry back into it after mm-hmm. all the gravity that Seven had. So, like, for them to come in, they bring it back, they do some fan service, they give us a race, it's four-car, Dom does all the cliche Fast and Furious lines, it's not who's, <laughs> what car it is, not what you got under the hood, it's who's driving. You get a new Toretto, so you learn that the family's, like, extended, it's, like, really soft, and that's what we got. To circle back to my ongoing point about these movies being time capsules, or products of their time, mm. in 2006? No, this is just this is just seventeen. Seventeen, right around then was like when they kind of like, or shortly before then was when they like opened up the Cuban border a bit more, which like enabled them to actually like go there. And we talked about this before that Dom went to Cuba just because he could. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was like right as it was opening or as it was about to reopen. Maybe we were just, you know, like there was talks about it and he was like, oh, we're going to go shoot a movie in Cuba because like we're the biggest fucking movie in the world right now. So obviously we can go do whatever the hell we want and they like let them do it yeah and it has like such good caribbean flavor to it like the colors are really beautiful and the Mm -hmm. uh, costumes are fun you know cuba is so uh has such a unique and renowned car culture of its own It, it only makes sense that these movies would wind up there eventually it's because they have all the old cars that they've salvaged forever now that like it's just like a time capsule in and of itself for cars. Mm-hmm. So a little problematic, but I did enjoy the little girls' haka dance before their soccer game. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, we were gonna. That was I did cry. Was, <laughs> that's what Joey was mentioning uh, last time. He's like, if you if you don't like Hobbs yet, you see him in a real character light. Yeah, he becomes like a person when you see the soccer dance. I don't know if I'd say a person. Daddy's staying home, Kara. I enjoyed Daddy Rock. I also enjoyed 
wacky uncle Jason Statham. Well, then you are going to love Hobbs and Shaw. I can it's tell a movie you that. made for you, then. Is it a two men and the baby situation? No, but no. Jason Statham with the baby is maybe the, the finest moment in any fa- Fast and Furious movie ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. It is the greatest action scene. It it's him really being fun. adorable with the baby. Like, it's what basically Vin baby. Diesel in the pacifier, but condensed to a single scene. Like, we don't have to sit through an entire movie of, like, Vin with a kid. It's just, hey, this is Statham with a kid for two adorable minutes. Get it out of your system. Enjoy it. Love it. But no, you're going to love Hobbs and Shaw because it's basically, it has the stakes eventually of a Fast and Furious movie. They're saving the world because that's what they do. But at the same time, it's just them being them again, like this extreme, like even more it's so. It's a buddy it, cop it, movie, essentially. And what's nice about it. buddy movie in general. They shed so much of the excess. Like we were talking about last episode, there are so many family members that in that movie, they kind of strip it down to like, four or five people you have to care about. And it's like, oh, this is nice. Like, I don't have to worry about a dozen people. This is just a core group of people that are all very fun and very attractive. Yeah. It's definitely a lot more lighthearted. That was something that I liked, too. Of course, like Joey said, the gravity is that, you know, they have to save the world, obviously. The stakes for most of the movie aren't as high. And I guess the other thing that I did like about this movie is that this one has like a nice James Bond flavor to it. Whereas I said the last one kind of felt like Doctor Who. This was a real... James Bond movie. In what regards? Just going to Russia, okay. like that in general. It feels very James Bondy. I don't know. Just felt James Bondy. I want to say now that you brought up Russia, this is the first time I ever realized that they drive through Times Square in this movie. <laughs> I've now this is the fifth watch we've watched it, and this was the first time that I was like, "Oh shit, they're in New York." For as much as they emphasize the settings in a lot of these movies, you know, like we go to Dubai, Russia, all of these things. The New York part is, like, very flat. Oh, you think so? I don't know. I, like, recognized a lot of the intersections. So I was like, well, that's where that is. Yeah, like, I I get that part of it. But at the same time, like, they drive through Times Square, and this is the first time I noticed it. I don't think I did notice it. I mean, it's the Shibuya Crossing of New York. I know. I, that's what but I'm they saying. they didn't drift through it, did they? The caravan, the Russian dignitary mm-hmm. caravan is coming through, and there's, like, people taking, like, selfies, and I had, n- I had no idea. My brain just, like, totally blocked it out until this watch. Kara, can you hear the word caravan and not think of your name? Because I can't now. <laughs> I, I don't generally think about that, no. Your Barbie dream van? Your caravan? Oh, man. Ah. Kara, is there any uh, fashion of note in this movie? Anything about... I mean, this is... Again, we're, we're reaching a point where, like, it's not really a time capsule as... I mean, there's the Cuba being open. I think that point is very valid. Like, I'm not trying to disagree with what you just said. But I feel like, in terms of fashion, like, it's... I know every season things change. But, like, we're kind of now. It's not like there's wild differences. But anything... Any particular looks or any, any kind of things you love or hate? We'll look back on this in, say, 10 years and be like, oh my god, this is so 2017. Even though I can't quite put my finger on what exactly that means. It's like, it's a lot of, um, like, L.L. Bean for me in this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... Did not it's... notice any yellow. Actually, you know what? They're, I'm, I have it on in the background right now. They're driving through Russia. Tyrese is wearing a puff puffy jacket and a hat it's like it's like that there's like a lot of like green like army green pants mm-hmm. it's like Actually, a lot of yeah. like active wear but like hiking wear it feels mm-hmm. like rei to me that's what that's what i think will set it in this time period yeah athleisure not athlete not athleisure in the sense of like girls in yoga, in pants. yoga pants 
But like, yes, hey, at leisure. At I was, leisure I was, is a very broad category. I know. I was going to use that word, but I didn't want to. In my head, it draws straight to girls in yoga pants. Well, I think that's true for everyone, but it's it's uh, it the, is like the largest segment in fashion, I think. But yes, you're definitely right about that. Um, there's also a lot of like leather details on their jackets and stuff, patches. Ooh. Oh yeah, and stuff like that that I noticed. I feel like Letty and Cipher wear the same shirt. Letty, interesting. It's this like open white drapey, just colored shirt. Letty wears it in Cuba, and then I Cipher is just wearing it on the plane. Interesting. I never yeah. noticed that. I never pieced those together. It's a great shirt because like when Letty's on the motorcycle, another outfit which I do truly love. Um, it's like flying behind her like a cape. Now that Kara's love for Los Bandoleros is like instilled in my brain, like burned into my brain, I feel like another reason why the opening works so well is because you have of course. Dom and Letty in mm-hmm. their carefree, lovey-dovey yeah, on that's, vacation that's mode. That's the and vibe in, in this franchise. It's my favorite vibe. <laughs> I understand that like these movies essentially are all going to end with like, hey, things are fine, let's have a barbecue. But like, I kind of would be up here with the whole movie just like, hey, let's hang out. Yeah, absolutely. Like a Dom and Letty, just like fun time, vacation yeah. film. Yeah, they deserve it. Like a rom-com. You know? They've been through a lot, yeah. No, but like even lower stakes than a rom-com. Like I don't want, you know, <laughs> tension and drama. I just want them to be like mostly naked, just hanging out, just enjoying life. Yeah. Yeah, like into the blue without the the robbery. On the note of most Brian moments, specifically in mm-hmm. the Dom most Brian moment, him kissing Cypher in front of Letty seems like a very Brian move <laughs> to me too. Well, do you remember... Yeah. This is something that we you were you were both in my house when we when we found this out. But Dom was on I think Ellen's show, Ellen's talk show. Yes, and they were going they were talking about Fate of the Furious, and she's like, you know, Charlize Theron says you're a really bad kisser. He's like, what? And he like got up and like lost his mind. But like it's supposed to be like a dead fish of a I kiss. Don't like, he's supposed about to not. This. Yeah, he was on Ellen. He's like talking about because Charlize did an interview and she said that he's a shitty kisser. Like when How they rude. like talked about the movie or something. Yeah, but like it's supposed to be like he's not supposed to be into it because he's in front of the woman he loves yeah. being manipulated to get back a love child essentially that his love the love of his life doesn't know about yet. That's a non consensual kiss that happens. But like that's not yeah, that's not his fault. Like I don't think that's a Brian moment. That's just like a No, I, but I think that him just going along with it and not even trying to like signal to her that he didn't want this is like a very Brian moment. He's just like, I'm here, I guess this is happening. This is my life now. There's a point where like Letty's like, I don't know who that is, but that's not Dominic Toretto or whatever, right? And like I don't know whatever. Yes. And at the end she's like, that's Dom, he's back now. There's gotta be a moment in that scene and maybe just narratively so that we're invested or whatever but it'd almost be more interesting if like as Charlize turns and walks away Dom like quickly like winks to Letty or something that's what like, I think so that's what I'm saying hint yes. at something that you're Blows not a just kiss. a corrupt asshole no he needs to like give her like this like the like the real serious eyes where he just like looks at her like yo get me the fuck out of here I'm not doing this on my own accord but if he gave her those eyes then she would be like we gotta go get him they do that anyways yeah I think intuitively they know but I feel like it, it should have it, it, it betrays the character more to keep up the narrative tension that he doesn't do anything. Like, in that situation, there's got to be a moment where he, like, especially to Letty, because they're closer than anybody, right? Something. Like, I'll explain later. It's it's one of those things where it kind of feels convenient just to keep up tension. Like, it doesn't feel true yes. to the world. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I have one thing, and Kara, I'm so sorry that you're not going to understand what this means unless you watched Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Oh, God. Uh, the new <laughs> Netflix series. But, Joe, I caught a connection here. What was it? Good. Tell me. And it, it dealt with our hierarchy. So, Kara, in Fast and Furious Spy Racers, the new Netflix series, there was a character named Ms. Nowhere. She talks about how she used to be nothing, 
and then she has been promoted to nowhere. And then we were talking about how nobody is probably like the Top highest tier. up, or maybe maybe there's people above him that we don't even know about. But like Mr. Nobody, oh, yeah. on the Mr. Nobody is a real mid-level manager. Below him, there's a nowhere, and then below him, or below that level, below that tier, is nothing. We see little Nobody before he's named when he's interviewing Hobbs, and then they go to that room where there's a joke about Nat- uh, Ramsey being a ten, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They say, "Who is he?" About little Nobody, and Kurt Russell, oh. Mr. Nobody says, "Who him? He's like nothing." He's less than me. So I'm thinking <sighs> nothing lower than him. He's he's the entry level. He's like the, the entry. He's the nothing. Then there's the nowhere. And then there's the nobody. So it, it, it's a throwaway line unless they have this hierarchy of this shadow organization planned out. He says he's like nothing. It makes sense now in this in this world that you and I are building. That yes. maybe they built already. I don't know. I think it's going to come back. It's, they're going to they're gonna have to address it at some point. They keep answering all of our questions. I know that they're listening. Um, I think that was the only other note that I took on this, because I was saying to Joe before we started recording, Kara, that like I like it less than the other ones, and so I feel like the less attention I pay to it, like I still watched it, and I still brought it in, but like, the less I pay attention, the more I enjoy it, so I don't have a lot of fresh thoughts here. That's also part of the reason why I liked it more than ever before, because I wasn't able to, I didn't let the nitpicks Yes. overcome the overall vibe of the, hey, it's a Fast and Furious movie. When I was watching Dom and the Ice Charger, I was thinking, like, I cannot wait until we have to do the minute on that part, because he had so many buttons, and they're all labeled. And I was like, I want to know what all of these mean, and, like, to stop it and to really break down everything. I also can't wait for you to have to read all the Russian buttons. I don't think that we really see them that much. Like, there's only, like, it's a quick shot. Well, we're going to find out in literally hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Yeah, that's true. Ellen Mirren also brings a little bit of James Bond flavor to this. She just came on screen again. Oh, I loved her. Devil's bumhole or something. She's a great character. We were talking about this when we watched the last one. They mention his dad, and we never get to see his dad. And I mm-hmm. wonder if Shaw's dad is going to come in, mm. become a factor in these somehow. We get his mom now. We see in his brother. Get some more Shaws. So well, also like her existence, her being there made me think. Like we know about dom's dad because he's talked about him has he talked about his mother do we know anything at all about her we have another spy racers theory spy racers is about dom's cousin tony toretto he's like a young cousin he's like 16 or 17 different cousin than the one that we see in this movie yes he's not cuban he tells a story about how there's a parakeet that dom saved from like a burning fire after a ribs incident so once again barbecue but it was tony's aunt molly's parakeet and we were wondering, because they are cousins, is mm. Aunt Molly Dom's mother? Or is it just an, a, a shared Aunt Molly? Is it a friend of the family? But it feels like we might have a name for Dom's mother. And she might have had parakeets that Dom rescued from a fire. In which case, their house burnt down twice. Or exploded once and burnt down once. But <laughs> it happens. Who's counting? Interesting. That's my yes. grandmother's name. Molly? Yep. I like that name. Karen, any other thoughts about The Fate of the Furious? I mean, this is not, like, we're at a point now in the podcast where, like, we we almost can talk freely about anything, but we can't really talk, because, like, there's so much, because this is essentially sort of like a prequel to Hobbs and Shaw. They're like, hey, could these characters spin off and become their own thing? So, like, a lot of what they're doing here is kind of amplified in that one. Anything that you have not covered yet that you want to cover before we can sort of speak freely next episode about all of the things when we talk about Hobbs and Shaw? What's with Mr. Nobody's Rules? Rules? Yeah, he has so many roles in this movie. They talk about it, like, multiple times. Yeah, about, rule like, the car one, he kind of can't drive and all that sort of stuff, right? And rule like, number two, and yep. then there are no rules. Yep. I just feel like that 
has some sort of significance. They're just I think they're just framing his military like subservience by making him more rigid. Like they're just trying to show you that now that Hobbes has like has found the gray area in life, Mr. Mm. Nobody has to have more rules. But I feel like Mr. Nobody's whole thing is that like he exists outside the system and so there are no rules, which eventually we do get to. Yeah. We have like a little throwaway line near the end. And I wonder if this is a hint for Nine, but it's the first time that I noticed it and was paying attention to it. As they're at the barbecue, they say, what about Cypher or something like that? Mr. Nobody goes, oh, she was spotted in Athens, so maybe we're going to Greece next. Ooh, that would be fun. It's a place we haven't been to yet. It mm-hmm. would make a lot of sense. It has a history movies always it. make me so hungry. I was craving Cuban food in this <laughs> one. Yeah, oh, def- I don't know if it was last lap or the lap before, but I definitely paused this movie to go get a Cuban sandwich while watching this movie. So I, like, <laughs> I need, I need that pressed ham and pickle. Mm. Oh, mm. God, yeah. Cuban food is so good. But I wonder, like, I think that's a good idea. I think it depends on how quickly after eight nine happens. Like, if it picks up immediately after, we could go to Greece. We've essentially established that like these movies are now happening like weeks apart. Like, as much as they take three years to make, like the timeline with Elena getting pregnant. In six, at the beginning of six, and then having the baby, like, right before eight, the timeline is condensed. It's not happening in the same time that it's happening for us. <laughs> time is just a construct. Flat yeah. circle. Because I can also see them being like, we're going to take some time off, like, the family needs a breather, and then, like, something bad happens. Safer's still out there, but there's not a lot of other loose threads. Like, it feels like kind of for a little bit we're at a stasis. You know what I mean? Yeah, because she's not on the plane, so she can't really, like, do all of her hacking stuff yet. They could give them, like, a year off, like a summer. And I think now that there's, especially now that there's a kid, it'll be interesting to see how old the kid becomes. Mm. That's you know what, what, like, going to be hugely telling, I agree. Whether it'll still be a baby or a toddler or, you know, in school or whatever. He could be, like, five. Because Brian's kid is in school by the time we see Brian's kid. Because he goes from, like, she's having the baby to, like, Brian's dropping him off at school in a minivan. During the New York part, I was like, and we thought traffic was bad that day that Chris Christie closed the George Washington Bridge. Oh. Imagine how bad the traffic would be on the day where they remotely hijack hundreds of cars and drive them all over the city. Depends on where you're trying to go, because if you're trying to go with the caravan, it would probably be the best traffic day ever. It would be, like, the only (laughs) day that you got through New York City with, like, no stoplights and shit. Oh, I'm a little bit worried about their brains. They all seem to have uh, sustained multiple concussions in, like, every movie. This is the first time I've noticed it in this one, too. Dom flips all their cars in that, like, rodeo lasso situation. Tyrese's car gets flipped over like letty smashes into someone like they all should sustain head damage cypher has that like concussion bomb too yeah very very true they're like very fluid with these concussion symptoms and i i find it troubling i also find it troubling (laughs) i'm worried about them yeah this is this can't be sustainable like we need to get them into a dark room put them in concussion protocol they have to sit out for a couple of weeks and, like, really get healthier. They're going to have, like, you know, they might get CTE or something. This would be bad. Yeah, because also, I mean, the effect is cumulative. And in every exactly. movie, they're just jostling those brains around. Tej Parker questionable for Fast and Furious 9. <sighs> what? Oh, yeah, it listed as questionable. <laughs> Parentheses head. The women in this movie are more active participants in what's going on. I mean, the bad guy is actually a bad lady. And then you also have the, like... Dom v. Letty going head-to-head situation. And Ramsey. Ramsey's yep. like an actual person. I th- we're moving the right way, I think. 
Yeah. It might make more sense to save this for Hobbs and Shaw, but where, in terms of the villains in the franchise, where would you say Cypher ranks? Do you think she's one of the better ones, one of the worst ones? It's cool know. to see a female villain, but where do you think in yeah. terms of the I story, just, I, in terms she's of She's so flat. The kid, she plays yep. it so flat. She is showing range in this part because she, like, very purposefully is keeping it so close to the vest for most of the movie. And then towards the end, she starts to, like, lose it. She's yelling. She's getting upset. We know she can do better. Right. You know. We were saying that we hope that this was a director's choice mm-hmm. to make her kind of, like, closed off to be hackery and, like, mysterious. Yeah, and I totally get that reasoning it's just like you're gonna hire Charlize Theron to be a a bad guy and like this is all you're gonna have her do yeah not let her flex the problem that we said before is that her menace is hacking so it's just like I'm gonna show them tap 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 (laughs) what are you gonna do email her yeah exactly yes (laughs) it is hard to add action and intrigue to computer sports I do enjoy that this is like kind of borderline hackers. It's heading that direction. You know who would have made a great villain for this? Angelina Jolie as her character from Hackers, all grown up. Oh, I've not seen Gone in sixty seconds since it came out, so I don't remember that. Basically, her visual aesthetic is Angelina. Gone in sixty seconds is Charlize in this movie. Is is that what's going on with her hair? Because I have so many questions about the hair. Are you in favor of white girl dreadlocks or no? Absolutely not. Although it does seem like maybe they'd be easier to manage. Like you wouldn't get tangled hair. All the- I don't know. I hate them. Looks horrible. She went on the plane, has this crazy hairdo where it's like a half up situation mm. with two buns on the back of her head and then a braid down the back. It's crazy. What's going on? Why so many things? I think they're trying to say that... She has too much time on her hands? <laughs> too much. I think that it's playing into the... To, to give you the Dom line where he's like, your eyes are probably brown, your mm-hmm. hair is fake. But she's so just, manufactured. Yeah. That they're trying to give her like as much hair accessories and like extensions and shit that they can. So that when Dom delivers that line, you've definitely noticed that she's had so much hair. We had talked about before we started the episode, like, if she had goofy eyebrows, if she had wacky teeth, I wouldn't notice it. But if you put her, like, if you put two buns on the back of her head, I'm going to be like, something's off. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm going to start to notice. Kara, are you ready to see what Charlize's hair looks like in Fast and Furious 9? Yes. Oh, no. I thought we were done with this haircut. No, it's back. It's back, baby. In a big way. When she posted that she's like, Cypher's ready or Cypher's ready for revenge or something like that. And both Rachel. So is her hairdresser, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Joe's wife, Rachel, and one of our biggest writer inners and listeners, Wes Hampton, both said, I'd like to see your manager, please, because this looks like the Karen. (laughs) Let me show you. Let me see your manager haircut. Yeah, it's very Midwestern. I mean, I appreciate in a weird way, but I also would rather not see it that like, one of the most beautiful women to have ever lived is just like, keep giving me the worst haircut. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do appreciate that. I need to be, I need to be less attractive. Can you give me a really bad haircut so that people don't notice me? I mean, she rocked the Furiosa look. She can look good in anything, but still, like, True. let her glam it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, also her blue eyes and this, like, too blue. They're, they're such a fake, it's like a, such a CGI blue. Well, like, it's supposed to be because she's wearing contacts. I know, but it's like, but it's like annoyingly and, uh, fake. Colored contacts actually do look creepy and bad. I had a pair once, like a long, long time ago, and they were still kind of new, and they were horrifying looking because my eyes are really dark. So it, would, it was just like this green plate on top of my eyeball. It's so Very weird. weird. Yeah, I don't know how I could deal with it. 
Keep waiting, bitch. I really enjoyed that. That made me laugh out loud. Oh, the prison riot, too. The prison riot was so balletic. I really appreciated that about and it. And the it music beautiful. is cool. Yeah. I think that this, that's, that's something that I noticed this time, too, is that this has a really great soundtrack. It's not like a lot of, like, iconic songs, mm-hmm. but it's really well-timed. The music that they pick for this movie fits really, really well, and I like the energy that they, like, they did a good job selecting it. The Hobbs and Shaw soundtrack we love. Joe, let me tell you, it sounds great on vinyl. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did get the vinyl of it. That's absolutely right. I forgot. Um, The Hobbs and Shaw soundtrack is really great, too, Kara. I was, like, a huge, like, to the point where, like, I came back and was like, I need to listen to some of these songs. Like, they're fucking good. Idris Elba raps on it a bunch. One of the um, things we not talk about, Spy Racers, like, Spy Racers had a surprisingly good soundtrack, too. Like, there's a lot of, like, hip-hop and, like... It was. It fit in the world, but it was also for kids. Like it worked. Like I thought that was yeah. really good. Like they always they nail the music in these movies pretty well. We relate to two thousand the two thousand and one because it had a lot of iconic songs, but that's what we were listening to. Like I'm pretty much like out of the pop loop right now. So like this, like hearing these, I'm like, damn, you guys picked some really good songs. Because like normally the pop songs that I do catch in commercials and stuff like that aren't these. Like they fit the mood still. So last but certainly not least. Dom, uh, when they're in Cuba, he's like, when he runs into Cypher, Cypher for the first time, uh, he's taking Letty a baguette and a single rose and a tote bag. Yes. Oh, yes. We have noticed this before. It is wonderful and romantic. I mean, that's the way to a girl's heart, right? A hundred percent the way to mine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rachel would feel the same way. Like one rose and a loaf of bread, she'd be like... I don't love roses. I think they're a little boring, especially those standard red too. ones. Yeah, she does too. But That's I just, I do, that. I just love flowers, so I'll take... Bread better be good, though. Is this the first hashtag flower report in any of the movies? Oh, you know, I think it is. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's like that garden that they walk through in the last one, but I wouldn't consider that like flowers. Well, the the rooftop garden that they have the barbecue in at the end of this one is nice. <laughs> I like the way that they shot New York. They did a pretty good job, but it also is like such a non-factor for a Fast and the Furious movie, that's what kind of took me for a loop. Yeah. Like, usually, like, the setting is, like, a big piece of all of this, and this was, like, just such a casual background scene. When they were driving across a bridge, I was really missing that Jay-Z song. They needed to use that. If you're gonna have a movie in New York, and they're like gonna be doing... New York? Like the one with yeah. Rihanna? Uh, I think it's, it's Alicia, Alicia Keys. Keys. Alicia Keys. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. They got the money to license it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's that's all I got. Well, it's time to play This Ain't No 10 Second Race, a.k.a. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. So last episode, Joe, you, oh wait, I found, okay, I found Joe Zimmerman at Joe Zimmerman, the end of a decade, here are my top 10 Dwayne Johnson movies of the 2010s. He counted them all down in there, Fade the Furious, Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, Furious 7, Fast 5. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Joe, you found... Brad Mahomes at Brad Mahomes, my top movies, top four in the order, rest or not, in there, Tokyo Drift, in there, The Fast and the Furious, some other movies. Boy, we said, do we have, do we have a podcast? podcast for you? It was liked by, not him, it was liked by Liam McCarthy, who I do not know, who does not follow us. I don't know how he found this. I'm going to give you a half a point, I think. Okay, no. Because the goal was always to get likes from the person we were tweeting at. I thought it was just to get likes and retweets. I don't remember. It's a shifting game. It's I'll give you a point. That's fine. Okay. Thank you. Go up to 16. I'm at 9.5. Kara's at 8. Okay. Kara, you found Jay Holtham at Jay Holtham. I think this might be the first time ever that like all three names are just the ats. So today I got teary-eyed. 
at Jennifer Hudson's performance in Cats and the Paul Walker <laughs> tribute at the end of Fast and Furious or at the end of Furious 7. I lose at the overhead shot of the car separating every time. This is my most on-brand day. Boy, do we have a podcast podcast for you. Kara, Jay Holtham liked the tweet. Hell yeah. There you go. Another point. You're just crushing this game. Kara, you are now, once again, breathing down my neck, half a point behind me, nine and a half to nine. All right. So now, this time around, Kara, you sent through your tweet. Please share with us the wonder that is Charlie Fisher. Uh, At Charlie F underscore music. And it's just a list tweet that reads, little women, two little, two women, little women colon Tokyo Drift, little and women, (laughs) little five, Uh, this one's my favorite, furious women, (laughs) women seven, the fate of the women. That's perfect. Boy. I love some little women content. So it's a wonderful tweet. This is also another meme that you see a lot. This is like when people use the thing. Like we're gonna see people are not using Hobbs and Shaw. I don't know if that fits in. I don't know. You could yeah. do Joe and Amy. You could do Joe and Meg. Like there's so many opportunities here, right? So mm. yeah, I think it would be Amy and Aunt March. Oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah. All right. I haven't seen the new one yet, but but I not Amy and Lori. Toss Lori off a cliff. Joe, did you find a tweet yet? Yes, I'm posting it here. It's from Chuck Bartowski at Zaf Z A Fry thirty one Fast and Furious nine. 2020, Dawn Team versus Cypher, Antheon or The Rock will make a cameo, Hobbs and Shaw 2, 2021, The Rock, Statham, Kevin Hart, and Ryan Reynolds teaming up to fight Antheon. Oh, I think he's, I think this is supposed to be Etion. I think he's spelling uh, I know. I think this is Etion. I'm reading oh, it as it is. Read it okay. as it lies. I think you're actually adding in an N that isn't there. <laughs> You've been saying Antheon. Oh, God damn it. Stop Racheling me. Fast and Furious 10, 2022. Dawn team and the Rock team will fucking team up to fight Aeth. And it's Atheon. Atheon. I like that yeah. you you pronounce it differently and still wrong. Yeah. So we already have a resp- reply from Charlie Fisher. It says, sir, I am a homosexual. <laughs> so, Kyle, you just got five points. Oh, really? So I'm winning now. But we need to... We need to respond to this. How do you want to respond to this? Let me think about it. I also like, Joe, that this uh, this tweet that you found from Zafri31 ascribes to your, they're going to move Fast and Furious 10 back and slot Hobbs and Shaw 2 in between. I think so. I'm not going to do this one because I think it's the middle of the night over in Japan, or maybe, yeah, it's whatever, but I just found this one. It's just, in Japan, just trying to hear Tokyo Drift in the club, which I just, you know, I think it's a great tweet. It's a good, that's a good point, yeah. I searched Hobbs and Shaw on Twitter, and everybody's doing their countdown of their favorite or least favorite. Uh. All right, I'm going to do this one. Joseph Stewart at Stewart underscore underscore. I was able to rewatch Hobbs and Shaw and finish Alan Taylor's new book on my flight to AHA 20. It's called Balance. What's AHA 20? I don't know. Uh, probably a conference of some kind. I would guess so. I just didn't know which one it was. American Historical Association. I mean... Interesting. Sounds fun. I see this in the most loving way this seems like the kind of nerd who would like a podcast yeah <laughs> and or may not know how to listen to one get into nyc a day early for aha 20 what are your top three public historic sites to visit times all of the intersections times square that they drive through in this movie <laughs> exactly we're gonna play dude what's my car so we did not get one sent in joe Karen, i'm gonna let you decide depend based on how i describe it i'm guessing you're gonna want to give clues because it's an old car but when I went home to my parents' house on New Year's Eve, okay. my dad was watching The Twilight Zone because there's a Twilight Zone marathon on New Year's Eve on Sci-Fi because there always is. Sounds good. He had paused the TV and he was trying to figure out what something on a car said. Like there was text on a car and we, we deciphered what it was. And I found the car online. 
Okay. And so it's a car from an original run of Twilight Zone. So you have that era, sort of. And there's a, I found the car online. I found a version of the car online that we're going to guess. Uh, Kara, do you want to, thinking in mind, keeping in mind that this is a car from the 50s, do you want to give clues or guess clues? Yeah, let me give 50s. some clues. My favorite era of cars that I know nothing about. It just, it's rare to me that like okay. a car makes an actual appearance in my life. You know what I mean? Like that there's yeah. a reason for me to think about something. Okay. Yeah, I, I get it. It was on the Twilight Zone. It's a car from the 50s. Is it black and white? No, but it's a great color. It's a bl- it's blue. I okay. love it. It is American. Okay. It's from 1955. Oh, okay. What a cool car. Isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I believe there's a, it's a V8 because in the front, there's a it's V8 huge. logo. It kind of looks... And I know this is a very bad thing because I'm supposed to be describing it. It kind of looks like if a PT cruiser and an ambulance and a hearse had a baby. Yeah. Or something driven by, uh, like, a milkman. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it has, like, a huge hatch. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there are... It's a two-door car, but it's not like a two-door sedan. Like, it's like a truck-y kind of thing. Okay. It looks like there's wood paneling inside. Like, actual wood paneling. (laughs) It's kind of like a pickup truck with, like, a, a hardback closed hatch that cannot be removed. Okay. The front is a very wide grille with two very wide bars going across horizontally, uh, two gigantic white headlights with two still pretty big yellow fog lights below. Is it a car company that I would know the name of? Absolutely. Yes. The back is very plain. There is a single sort of like a, it looks like it's the kind of handle you turn, like you pull down and pull out to open, almost like it's like a morgue. So again, sort of the uh, the hearse kind of vibe. Very yeah, plain okay. back. Not really much decoration. Dual exhaust in the back. Is it a Ford? No. What's the next biggest one? GM. General Motors. Smaller mm. than that. Um, Chevrolet. No. The inside of the door has what looks like... Like, imagine like a puffy winter vest, but on the door. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wood paneling inside. At least this one does. Uh, again, the sort of winter vest in the back. The, the back kind of looks like a kill site. Like it. It looks like you would you would be murdered. Either smoke a lot of weed or be murdered in the back of this van. Party back. Yeah, because it's a big ass uh, hatch. But also, like you might escape the dust bowl in it, which I know is a little anachronistic because it's from you said the fifties, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely looks like something that you would you know throw all of your your worldly possessions in and drive out to California. The speedometer only goes up to 80. So not a Ford, not a Chevy, but equally as big. What other cars were around in the 50s? I don't know what brands are st- were like when they started. I feel like on Mad Men, they had like an account with this Cadillac, company, right? No. It's not a luxury brand. Okay. Is it like Pontiac? You're missing a very big one. I'm missing a really big one? What is Ford, Chevy, GMC? Packard. Uh, what, what, no, what is it? <laughs> it's amazing how you're not, I just, I, am I just all around it? I don't yeah, even know if you're all around it. It's just like, there's a very, very, very big one. That's still around today. Dom has driven some of their cars in these movies. Dodge. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to know the model of it at all though. No. It has a 360 V8 with a torque flight 727 automatic transmission from an 86 Dodge. It was retrofitted with newer engine. Oh, okay. Cool. Nine inch Ford rear. I don't know what that means. With a 3.25 gears, custom power Dodge blank seats. Actually, it says Dakota seats, but it's not a Dakota. Mustang shifter. Oh, this is like a crazy, like, all Mash-up over the place. car. Okay. 86 Dodge steering column, 12-volt system, power steering. Power steering. This panel is just service. So, I mean, the the car that we're looking at is just like some on a classiccars.com. That's how we sell it. I want to see it. A 1955 Dodge town panel. Yeah, I have no idea what this is. Send it to me. 
Oh, it's it's just like an HHR or a PT Cruiser. Good job. And you got this, like, quilted doors. Oh, yeah, you could definitely murder someone in this back seat. Right? And there's wood. It's like a sauna in the back with the way the wood paneling is spread out, like a steam room or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this is very cool. I saw it, and I was just like, we must play it. That's a pretty interesting one. It's nothing that I would have guessed, though. This was super hard. I didn't even know that they were making Dodges in 55. That's, like, really fucking long time ago. Well, Joe, next week... You and I are finally, Kara, this is a movie close to your heart. We, we teased it a, a little earlier in the lap. We are finally getting to it because we finally have are able to get our hands on it. We're talking about the Tammy the T-Rex gore cut. Oh, nice. So finally doing that next week. But, Kara, you'll be back with yeah, us in Paul two Walker's weeks. Paul Walker's first car movie. Mm-hmm. Mm, Very Car exciting. movie. Good tip. Okay. Which I think I told you that, but again, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. But in two weeks, Kara, you'll be back for the newest installment last year's August release of Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, so very exciting for you to not, not conclude the driving school lap, because you'll be back on our relap recap, but the first or the last full movie you'll be watching. And also, next episode, we will be joined, schedules permitting, by someone, I'm not going to say his name, but if you know who's, who's been on every lap since lap mm. two, he'll be joining Kara next episode. So stay tuned for that. But Kara, any final thoughts about anything we talked about tonight? And do you have a tweet response to Sir, I am a homosexual? I do not. Fair enough. Every, you're, all, you're all family to us? Oh, that's That's nice. a good one. Yeah, that's a very welcoming one. I like that. You're still hashtag family to us. And I'm, I gotta put a gif, I'm going to put a GIF in there, too. Yeah, that's good. That'll, that'll tone it down some. Oh, how about this one? This is kind of fun. Yeah, I like Suki. That works. Mm-hmm. Carrie, your goal next episode is to surpass Joe as the all-time points leader. 2F2F points leader. You're second in the clubhouse right now, which is... You're close, yeah. Which I love and also makes me a little sad. Because <laughs> you have, like, 30 episodes on it. Would, it would actually make me sad if there was, like, any way that I could actually, like, be good at this. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Do I do I hold the record for the most, like, points Oh, points per, per game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, points per episode for sure. Nice. Yeah. You're like Wilt Chamberlain, like, throwing up 50 a game. You know? <laughs> Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining us. We will welcome you back into the fold for Hobbs and Shaw in two weeks. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Go to our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. Still time to get in your picks for lap six, lap seven. Come back next week for Tammy the T-Rex, the gore cut. Come back in two weeks for Hobbs and Shaw. And go check out the entirety of the Driving School lap, all probably close to 15, 20 episodes by, then, by now, so lots for you to listen to. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And I'm Cara Gale Regan. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Too Fast, Too Forever.